Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What is up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and my guest today is none other than Jorge Prado. Fresh off his win in this year's MXGP World Motocross Championship, Jorge was on vacation in the US doing some Supercross, and we were lucky enough to get some time in between rides to record the show. I met Jorge earlier this year at the ARCO event, and we talked about making the podcast happen at some point throughout the season, but alas, we were never able to make it happen. That may have turned out for the better, though, as Jorge went on to wrap up his first MX1 title and have a great performance at Motocross of Nations before owning the internet with footage of him at the KTM test track. On this episode of the podcast, we talk about the relief he feels after winning his first MXGP title, his relationship with his father, being a prodigy in Europe and a factory rider since age 11, his rivalry with Jeffrey Hurlings and Jet Lawrence, the 2023 Motocross of Nations, his plans to race Supercross, and much more. Before we get into this episode, I need to bring you a quick word from the companies that support this podcast. And if you want to hear an ad-free version of this podcast, as well as get early access to these episodes and unique original Gypsy Tales video content, then make sure you head to gypsytales.com. It's only $11.99 a month, and the money from the site goes directly into our content budget, to bring you more of the shows you love. Now, fellas, can you smell the pumpkin spice in the air? If you haven't heard, it's Fresh Face Fall, and nobody else can give your face the love it needs other than our friends at Manscaped. The folks who changed below the belt are here to help with their brand new Handyman Electric Face Shaver, designed to give your face that smooth finish without the mess of a wet shave. It's the perfect tool for men with all beard lengths. Whether you're lining up your neckline or taking it all off to feel that autumn breeze, make sure you join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Head over to manscaped.com and use the code GYPSYGANG for 20% off and free shipping. Don't be a bad apple this year. Choose Manscaped. Now, obviously, run the beard on the pod, so got to kind of keep that thing squared and, and uh, I guess like clean... But without Manscaped, that would be a whole lot harder. I literally have been running their uh, performance package 4.0 for a while now. uh, And every year their products evolve and they just get better and better. 
Your, fir- your face is also the first thing people see when you walk through the door. So you should give them something to look at with Manscaped's Handyman. With the Handyman skin safe technology to help reduce nicks and cuts, you can finally feel confident when going for that close shave. For wet or dry use, feel free to bring this anywhere and everywhere. The compact design and airplane friendliness make this the perfect travel tool for on the go. And for my fellas with a little more scruff like myself, Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit has everything you need to tame your mane. And I've been running that kit for a while now and I absolutely love it. This features their signature Beard Hedger. This cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of those extra add-ons which we all hate and we just lose them anyway. That's right, face grooming doesn't need to be hard. Get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel size package with long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a super strong motor. Trust me, boys, you can't go wrong with any of these options. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GYPSYGANG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code GYPSYGANG. Shopping for daily supplements and multivitamins can be confusing and overwhelming and with so many options it can be hard to choose the right one. Having to buy multivitamins, probiotics and digestive enzymes from all different places is also just plain inconvenient. That's why I started drinking AG1. AG1 takes all of the guesswork out of trying to combine different supplements and provides multiple products in one simple scoop. Every morning with my breakfast, I mix AG1 with a glass of water and drink that to give my body all the nutrients it needs to thrive. It supports the foundational needs of my whole body, covers my nutritional bases and provides brain, gut and immune system support. No matter who you are, where you come from or how you live, everybody's body has the same basic foundational needs. AG1 can support your daily performance and boost your baseline health. AG1 is based on current science and maintains the highest quality standards. Their approach is also published in peer-reviewed scientific journals. I've been using AG1 for over a year now and I really do believe in this product. So if you haven't tried AG1 yet, you must give it a shot. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash gypsytales. That's drinkag1.com slash gypsytales. This episode is also brought to you by the team at mxstore.com.au, Australia's number one when it comes to dirt bike gear and accessories. We have been rolling with the MX Store crew for years now, and whenever we're in Australia, whenever we've got any builds going on, whenever we've got any races going on, mxstore.com.au is our first port of call. If you're in Australia and you order before 2 p.m., they do same-day shipping as well. So if you don't live in Burley and you can't get to their epic superstore uh, HQ, then make sure you get your order in by 2 p.m. and it goes out that same day. That is mxstore.com.au. We're also brought to you by the team at Fist Handwear. You know we are homies with 
that whole fist crew. The makers of the best gloves for off-road. They also do some hybrid stuff. So if you're an on-road commuting kind of guy, hot weather, cold weather, normal weather, fist handwear has you covered. They also have some pretty epic socks as well if you uh, if you want to run the hands and feet in fist when you ride. Uh, I have been running their long moto sock for years now uh, and I swear by it in the same way I swear by the gloves. If you want to get a pair for yourself, you can head to fisthandwear.com.au or fisthandwear.com. They ship whether you're in Australia, whether you're in the US, whether you're in Europe. So make sure you head to fisthandwear.com and use the code GYPSYGANG for 15% off. We are also brought to you by the team at Tropical Auto Group. And if you're in the market for a new or used car, then you cannot be buying anything without picking up the phone and calling Kyle. Now, Kyle has been keeping not only us moving, but countless other members of the Gypsy Gang for about the last three years. Tropical Auto Group in Rockhampton stocks Ford, Mitzi, Kia, Isuzu, and Great Wall. If you don't live in Rockhampton, that doesn't matter. It won't stop Kyle doing a killer deal for you. So make sure you head to tropicalauto.com, ask for Kyle, and you'll get a $500 gift voucher at MX Store with the purchase of a new or used car. That's it for me. Enjoy this episode with the one and only Jorge Prado. Bang, we're live. Just like that. Or like this? That's it. Oh, all right, just, it's just, easy. Just lock, lock in, <laughs> we're good to go. Jorge Prado, the uh, the new world champion, the 450 world champion, Jorge Prado, joins us on the podcast, mate. I'm stoked that you're here. Yeah, we've been talking about this long time. I think, uh, well... I saw you came to Arco and yeah. I was talking to you at the Red Bull station and I was like, yeah, we should, I should call me in the podcast. I think it's interesting. Well, we almost, we had a couple times where we almost got yeah. it done and then just schedule and like getting to the studio hard. and you're in Spain and then, and then in the Netherlands. Yeah. So it's quite hard to get, but as luck would have it, you're in America training some supercross. Yeah, it's weird. I think it should be easier to, let's say, uh, fix this in uh, Europe, but I need to come to America to come in the podcast. So, yeah, um, yeah we are here in California. And I'm enjoying it a lot. It's it's nice. I came in 2015, but this time it's totally different. Yeah. Obviously, uh, from 2015 till now, I had two titles uh, in MX2 plus MXGP title. So, Basically, my level, it's way different. So I approach this in a different way too. And yeah. I'm enjoying it a lot, to be honest. A lot more than expected. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah, I guess being Jorge Prado is probably pretty cool right now. Like, it's probably a good a good time to be to be Jorge Prado. And I think that it uh, probably just leaks over into being able to enjoy a lot of different things now. Yeah, because I, I said it many times. I My goal has always been to be world champion yeah. in MXGP class and i got it done so i th- i i feel like i have released a bit of that pressure mm. off my shoulders and i can enjoy my riding i can enjoy a bit more just riding on my bike without thinking oh i need to be careful to get you know the title or whatever it's done it's done i just need to focus on f- having fun and and while i'm here i'm only 22 so i have so you know, much so time. much time it's I, crazy even if I want to come here next year or in two years or in three years, still, yeah, still young. So I 
trying to have fun and take it easy. Take it easy. I have time, so I don't want to rush things, but everything's going well. So it's a good time. It's a good time. <laughs> it's, uh, it's crazy to think that you're the world champion in the MXGP class at 22 years old. Yeah, it's... But it's been, you know, um, like... If I, I can see it from different ways, because I've been already since 2020, my first year in MXGP, fighting actually for the title. Uh, in 2020, I entered the season with a broken femur, so I I go into Matali, which was uh, round one that year, and I didn't ride at all the 450. I passed from 250 in 2019 to 450 in 2020, and I think I rode one week and a half, something like that, before the first GP. So wow. I didn't even test anything. I went straight to the race. What bike did you, like, what was the setting that you rode? Um, I was, because I did Nations the year uh, in 2019 19, in yeah. Assen. So pretty much something that Tony was riding, plus my 250 setup, something in between. Um, and I just go straight into Matley. And and that was like two months and one week after my uh, broken femur, so basically also no no time to recover, and so it was a tough start into my 450 career. And another injury when the COVID came uh, with the collarbone, and at the end of the year I I was third in the championship. When then when I got the COVID actually, mm. and I was winning races. I I won five races that year, so it's quite quite cool and. Like I said, I, I in my head is like I've been always fighting for a title, but I had to wait till 23 to get it done, and it was the right time. I feel like uh, it made me stronger all these years. I think I I learned a lot, and also I feel like this year I still had so many, you know, mm. things that I can take for the future. To improve, like, yeah. Oh, this race I should have done this. Yeah. Um, we improved this on the bike. Okay, maybe I can use that in the future. So there are so many things I learned this year. By doing different ways, um, different things, I I really, it was just a good year to do. Ugh, I love it. Man, it was 23, cool. 23, it's so good. It was cool too. <laughs> like the, we hadn't met before until Arco Trentino and the, you just had such a cool vibe. Like you, you could see that you're a guy that really enjoys the time at the races and you just, you seem quite stress-free and like a happy we, you know, having a conversation, just random sort of yeah. stuff, you know, and it's like, I think for a person to be in the battle in that way and fighting for a title and to be one of the big stars of MXGP, like you really seem to just be loose and, and enjoying it. Yeah, I think because I love the sport. It's for me, it's not work. It's just doing what I love. I, I don't have anything in the world that I love more than motocross. So I love riding my bike and uh, every time I go on track, I try to enjoy it and, and try to have fun because this is why we started, no? And every time it come, we come into a dif- difficult times or, um, yeah, you're having troubles, you just need to think back why you start doing this thing. So um, I try to, yeah, to keep that positive vibe all year long and oh, it was good. I'm not really stressful at the races, obviously before the gate, drops then yeah, obviously you, you have that, a those time, nerves yeah, and yeah. and you want to do good but i try to stay easy relax uh i like to talk also that's the spanish the spanish way you know yeah in the spanish way <laughs> <laughs> uh and did you feel do you did you re- like feel the pressure at all through the season to be you know the guy that everyone was kind of chasing i think when you know jeffrey has some injuries then all the eyes kind of point towards you even though you know i think it was very competitive with you and jeffrey um 
anyway but does does the pressure start to build does it is it hard to keep that smiley positive yeah. when it starts to get a little bit more serious you know what it was weird this season because i felt like um the most come, wait come forward a tiny bit Close yeah. yeah sorry yeah, yeah um it, it was weird this season because i i feel like i not that i i didn't struggle but i felt the pressure more in the last rounds coming closer to majora yeah especially the weekend of majora i was like oh, i need to make it happen i need to make it happen i don't want that something happens in between majora and england yeah and can't take the title in england so those weeks were horrible horrible Turkey around that area oh man this was tough but I need to say I got the red plate Argentina Saturday so from the fir- very <laughs> Dude, first time and, I know. and I was like I just need to keep going I just the season is so long everything can happen yeah everything can happen I can get injured the other guys can get injured I can improve the other ones can improve so I just need to keep doing what I what I what I know and uh, train hard focus on my program try to do everything the best as i can and if i can't be world champion it's because i'm not good enough that's it so i put that in my mind like i will do everything 100 percent. if i'm not world champion this year it's because i wasn't good enough and mm. i put that in my head so i was quite i tried to um yeah take that stress away by thinking in yeah. that way yeah and obviously with jeffrey he was we were fighting for i think 10 11 rounds he was still behind me, but we were going fast. Yeah. Um, you had to use the head in sometimes when you feel like you're going too fast, uh, slow it down just a bit and push in a different place. And it's weird. And in that time, I didn't really feel the, the, the pressure, even though Jeffrey was the only guy back then that in the championship was re- like really chasing me. Yeah. And then he got away because of the injury. And then I had that big points gap. Mm. and then everything changed in the beginning it was all right but then like i said coming to majora that uh, turkey um those races i mm, i felt the nerves i felt mxgp i would start thinking in the night like oh come on this can be something big my dream i see my dream but i'm scared you know i'm scared yeah, and yeah, i'm yeah. like ah, i just don't want to change anything like <laughs> I was hard. I only wanted to race. I didn't want to go riding on the yeah. training. I just wanted to race, race, race. But, but anyway, it's uh, part of the part of the game. You need to know how to handle also that those nerves and bring it, bring that confidence into the race and be hundred percent when you need to be hundred percent. Man, it's cool that you admit that because you know I think like a like a, a Chase Sexton, you know, like he won the title without it like he didn't even have to race the last race with the way that it went with cooper and eli and i'm just like dude i ain't even getting on the bike (laughs) you know like i'm just uh, i wouldn't be riding through the week i wouldn't be riding practice i wouldn't be doing a heat race i'd just be like (laughs) you do the heat race to go straight to the main that's it like just i don't want to i don't want to be out there like but I, i don't think a lot of people would admit that you know but for you to sit there and admit like dude i was so scared (laughs) I was scared. I, I mean, I, I can't tell you. I was relaxed, and I was like, "Yeah, it's going to be fine." Obviously not. Motocross is such a difficult sport that everything can happen, and I know it. I've been getting injured quite often the last years, and sometimes you don't even know how. Like mm. even a small crash, and then something happens. Come on, it's like, why me? No, I had nerves. I had nerves. I didn't want to crash. I didn't want to go riding to 
I just wanted to stay safe. Yeah. And um, but anyway, I think I managed quite good in the way of like every time I go to the practice track, kind of like every time I go on the bike. I didn't think about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So it was more when I was not riding. It's only off the bike. Yeah, it was weird. Like, yeah. it was weird. And I also tried to go places where I have other teammates or someone that I can focus on and I can, okay, I, w I will get you. And then I can have that race, like, mentality. Yeah. Um. So I'm not, like, riding and thinking about other things. So, uh, yeah, I just try to focus as much as possible and, and train hard because... Okay, I'm world champion, but they still can improve. So I took it like that. Did the 250 world championships help you? Yeah. So you can draw on that experience? Yeah. And I, yeah, I got this question, I think, a few weeks ago when I was in Spain. Um, well, last week when I was in Spain. And I think, like, my whole career helped me. Yeah. Because I've been the youngest world champion ever. Yeah. 10 years old in the 65 class. So... The year after that, I got signed by Red Bull KDM Factor Racing Team. So at eleven, my first year, eighty-five small wheels. Crazy. I had a like factory mechanic that was coming with a Red Bull KDM Factor Racing van. So all eyes were on me since I was eleven years old, and that's mm. something that people doesn't see. But every time I go to the gate, everybody wants to beat me because I have like factory stuff and I have the the support and. Uh, and all, then people can talk and they say, oh, he's only this good because yeah, of the exactly. things that he gets. And he should be better. He should yeah, be winning yeah. every model, every practice. Uh, easy. Easy. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm a kid. And, um, but no, it's, um, it's like that. So I had to deal with the pressure since I'm 11 years old. Mm. Um, plus my whole family went to, Bel uh, to Belgium from uh, Spain. They left everything behind, went to Belgium. So I have also the pressure of my whole family left everything i think i need to deliver something too mm. so that pressure too and then i pass into the 85s 125 i got european champion and it's already a championship where you have like i think seven eight rounds european 125 it's something like that mm. and i've been fighting with um for the title with guys like uh, renault yeah um guys like uh, conrad muse josiah natsuke mm -hmm. he was second that year so guys like that and it, it all helped me. So I am um, 250, go into Assen MXGP, um, my first race, um, battling with Jeffrey first time. So all these moments helped me to get to MXGP and handle the pressure, handle the situation. And when it's time to race, go racing and be focused on just racing. Mm. Do you ever get like sick of the pressure? <laughs> it's because it can be a lot like even i mean for for me like i just doing this job and you always expected like you got to have a big guess big guess big guess yeah. Yeah, everyone's like oh this is doing well doing well doing well and you can get into this situation where you're just like it's doing well because this is a lot of effort and this is a lot of pressure and this is hard and sometimes i'm just like Oof. Maybe just a normal, you know, like sometimes, I, sometimes the pressure, you're just like, hey, it would be nice to be able to live a life where eh, this isn't something you think about all the time. But it, it comes, <laughs> it comes to your mind. I yeah. think everyone, yeah. come on, we are not all perfect. We all don't think this is wonderful. And sometimes you're like, ah, oh, so much pressure. I, I would just be happy if I would do something else, you know, just for a moment. Like yeah. you just feel the pressure. And it happens to me sometimes just before racing. It's like I feel the pressure of the race and I'm like it's like 
I don't know, it takes energy. Yeah. It, it takes, yeah, um, yeah you, you're like, you want to go racing, but at the time the race comes, you're like, you feel the pressure. Yeah. And uh, that's where I think um, you need to be um, mentally mm-hmm. strong enough to turn it around and come on. I've been waiting for this time all week long. I was riding and training to come here and perform good now. So let's do it. And then you try to turn it around like that. So, um, but yeah, obviously we all feel the pressure and the pressure of racing, it's something you can't get in other ways. In another way. It's yeah. weird because, you know, especially, okay, when you're MX2, your goal is to win MX2. And that's the, like the biggest you can achieve at that time. Now I'm MXGP. I try to win MXGP. That's the biggest goal I have. So when you have a goal, you want to reach the goal. And the thing, the pressure is that you don't want to fail. That's what mm. makes it hard. You don't want to fail on yourself because mm. you want to reach the goal. I don't know if I explain myself nah, good. You are, yeah. I'm Spanish, sorry, my English, it's, it's okay. Yeah. But no, sometimes it's difficult to, to, to explain and you don't want to fail on yourself. So I, then that's the pressure. You want to perform good and uh, it's, yeah. Sometimes it's almost like winning doesn't matter as much as not losing. <laughs> you want to not lose exactly. more than you want to win exactly uh, yeah that's more the deal i think everybody hates losing uh, you want to win you know but it's more about not losing than let's go for the win you know it's like i don't want to be second yeah, yeah <laughs> i want yeah. to win you yeah know? no i get it's it it's weird it's yeah. weird so <laughs> who in your life has been the most important when it comes to uh the mental side to give you the perspective because you are young obviously you compete your whole life so i think you maybe learn your own ways to deal with things but was there any ever anyone that really taught you those kind of lessons i think in the mental side it's it's hard um because um i think by experience um i think you need to find yourself and and find the ways that you can like um talk to yourself and then do what you you want to do um so um i've been always very close with my dad because mm. since i was a small very small kid he's been always with me i've never spent so much time with another person that it's not my dad like mm. uh, he's coming to every single training so um every race um so i think also um during practice uh when we talk uh we all we make a very good um how you call it like we have a very good uh communication between us and i trust a lot my father and so um just by talking uh day by day training you build that confidence and and also makes you mentally a bit stronger because you know you're positive you know you're negative so sometimes when you are racing you're thinking about oh i remember he told me that let's Mm. let's try to do it that way so um i think having someone close to you it's very important just to feel safe i you trust him yes i when i go on track i know if something happens if i fall or if if i make a crash or something he will be there the first guy so I'm more relaxed, you know, that I know it's someone is going to be there all the time, also in practice. If he lost maybe one or two trainings in all my life. He's always been there in every single training. So I'm more relaxed when I'm with someone. It's like this. For um, I know many writers, the most of them, I need to say they are quite 
doing everything by themselves. Yeah. I do everything by myself and my father is with me. So it's yeah. one team, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did, we what, do it together. What did, what did he do before that you think gave him these skills to uh, be able to help you the way that he has? Um, you know, uh, he's, he's not really, he's never been a motocross rider. He did motocross just for, for fun, fun yeah. but also trials. And before that, when he was in university, he was doing a lot of cycling. Mm-hmm. And I think from cycling, he got that um, mentality of um, putting like 100% effort because in cycling, if you don't it's train, all effort. Yeah. if your legs are not strong, you're not moving, you know? It's not like, okay, motocross too, but it's in a bit different way. Yeah. So um, I think that mentality uh, he got um, by doing those kind of sports like cycling and, and really he was not professional but he was in a good level yeah and he was very strict with his diet and very strict with his trainings and somehow i born from him you know so i and training together every day he he kind of teach me always to give you 100 percent and do the everything the right way not just do things like that no yeah. do it properly yeah. yeah and that helps you when you do your training in the good way it makes you improve more than it you as training like like that without thinking what you're doing so yeah. um yeah i think my mentality comes a bit from my dad and then obviously from my own experience from the years from yeah. racing normal life just not a lot of kids want to listen to their dad though not- it's hard sometimes because <laughs> i remember you would have seen kids maybe when you were younger where their dad tells them things and the kid just doesn't listen, doesn't care, doesn't wants to hear it from somebody else but not their dad. Yeah, yeah. I was maybe that kid sometimes. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's hard, right? Um, when your father tells you you're not good or, hey, that corner you are super slow. Yeah. Like my father, every time he should be more like, hey, that corner you are slow, that corner you are slow, you are doing that bad, that rider is faster than you there, uh, you should jump better there. And I'm like, sometimes like, and what do I do good, you know? <laughs> at, at some point I'm like, then how it's possible, I'm like, imagine the time practice, I'm P3, how I'm P3 if I do everything wrong, you know? <laughs> no, no, but the rest you're good, but in that corner you are slow, in that corner you are slow. So sometimes it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's hard. And sometimes I'm P1, yeah, but that corner is low, and that corner again, and it's hard because you you expect to him, hey, super good, everything right, let's go for the motos. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you gotta improve. You gotta improve. That guy's doing it better. That guy's doing it better. So I think also to accept that you also make mistakes, and mm. uh, someone next to you can see those mistakes. It's he's only helping. He's not telling me I'm bad because he uh, wants you he to wants feel me bad. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He wants me to do it better. And I do it better then, you yeah. know, we try it together and he knows also a lot. Um, for example, he's coming to every training, like I said before. So he knows my limits. He knows how I ride and how good I can ride. Sometimes yeah. he's like, you can do that better. And I just need to push myself and concentrate myself to do it better. And yeah. I think that's very important. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool relationship. And I mean, you can see there's some very successful young riders right now that have their family as the backbone the lawrence brothers yeah brian deegan you know there's there's a lot of good examples of when you get a relationship right then you can really produce some good results yeah i think it's important i think it's very important like i said more for the i feel like for the safety to feel safe 
because um, they are always there for you in yeah. the bad times, in the good times. Doesn't matter; they are always there for you. So yeah. it's it's important. And I think sometimes too, as a racer, like I mean, I think it seems like with you, you've got a really great relationship with the team and with Red Bull and like the program. It seems very smooth sailing, but sometimes you need to have a person that's there for you and doesn't care about what the team wants, doesn't care about what the sponsors want, doesn't... And then to not put you in the position to have to deal with that, you know, to have someone there like your dad that can have maybe some of the ugly conversations that you don't want to have because you need yeah. to keep your relationships. And I think that also is like a, a, a good thing to have, like someone that will enforce your boundaries. Yeah, I mean, we've been also struggling sometimes. And really? it's not easy... Not my father and myself. I mean, yeah. we've been struggling with the rest, like yeah. you said. Maybe yeah. we're with the team or because we they were not, um, let's say, uh, on top of the game. Yeah. The, the bike was not good enough. Uh, last year was so hard. New new bike. Completely new bike. Everything was different than yeah. And the it past very years. different. Very different. Very different. And it was hard because I was not feeling comfortable since day one. And I could see the season coming. I, then the races go by and nothing was changing. And and it was hard. And my father was seeing all that. And he was also pissed. Like, come on. The mm. guys need to do something. The guys, the team, um, whoever, the group, they need to hurry up because the season is going by. And if we don't find something, we we can't be competitive. So mm. also, um, yeah, it's it's not easy. Um, and, and to have him there to be able to have those conversations and yeah. to be able to it's almost like you have a team in your in yourself yeah that's that's important when you have like your family close to you it's your team it's like my father it's my team like he will never go with other rider or yeah. it's my team 100% and um, and doesn't matter what happens he's, he's there and going back to that um, we were struggling 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 and uh, uh, he was seeing all that so sometimes he had to come on you're doing good yeah let's go practice and sometimes he was even more angry than me when we come back from from training you know because he sees that we are not getting anywhere mm. we i had a very tough time last year i at some certain point i was like i think i forgot how to ride a bike or something that's wild huh so I, at one point i was like i think i'm doing something wrong because mm. i think the people need needs to understand that, uh, like I do everything for the sport. I I do like I wake up and I train as hard as I can to be the best. And when they think it's my problem, and they mm. don't see their own mistakes, this it's not good because yeah. we are not getting farther. Yeah, I'm already giving my hundred percent, and. Yeah, sometimes it's hard also for the rest to see they are making mistakes or they don't want to improve. Yeah. But all right, luckily we, we figured it out for this year and everything was working well and better. And I think we still have a room for improvement for sure. For but, sure, yeah. But last year was very tough and, and it's like that. But hey, <laughs> when you come from a bad year and you turn it around means yeah. we have, you know, the, the base to come on, to make bigger things. So, yeah. and if we go back to... Um, let's say a point where uh, we we are struggling then we probably can get out again so yeah 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 that's such a good point and i mean if if you go through like you've been so blessed with 
amazing motorcycles your entire career yeah like every single year that you were on 250s you were on the best 250 yeah or uh, among the best 250s. i need to say when i was in 250 i was probably in the best bike probably not by far but on the best bike yeah for sure and so you go through your whole career on the best bike yep. and then you get and then even on the 450 the old 450 that chassis was amazing you know the 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 laps the time the the amount of with the ktm group yep. you've got three teams all in america you've got three teams in europe you've got teams all over the world that are gathering and sharing data and it's all just being pushed it's like ducati and moto gp and two like before they are um, also the private privateer teams in yep. europe they had also factory support some ah, of them so you've got all these like people. right now right now i think for the past two years i think no privateer team has almost factory support that i know well okay. you don't see many kdms out of the factory kdm teams like yeah factory yeah or huskies or gas gas yeah they are all the brands but uh in the past you had um many many teams with factory support like i don't know suspensions they were pretty much like ours uh like and those bikes are right were riding good um and the testing goes on. So we had such a big like data from yeah. everyone, yeah. like WP, KDM for the engines, whatever. We had so much data and yeah, that old bike was very good. Was very, very good bike. And then to come into this season or last season on a new bike, and I mean, it would have been the first time in your career, I bet, that you didn't love the motorcycle from day one. It's hard because every time something comes up and it's new, at the beginning you're like, hmm, let's see. Yeah. But once you start kind of like getting again your own like rhythm and getting back to like good shape and you're starting to push the bike and you start to see that you need to change your style for the bike, mm. it makes it only worse, you know? Uh, you need to be like, uh, how you call it, like you need to trust your style and your riding and you know, if you do this, it's going to work. Mm. Um, and I couldn't use my running style. I couldn't stand up anymore through the corners. I couldn't, I had to always sit and leg out and I'm not riding like that. Yeah. I can't ride like that. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. So, uh, so, so yeah, it's, um, it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, the new frame, the new concept of the bike was, was hard. What, what changes, uh, like so i spent a lot of time on the old bike and then at the moment i've been riding the new uh the 350 xcf uh so it's not the full motocross one it's like the one that's in the middle but i've got motocross suspension and everything on it now um and i i really like that bike now like i really enjoy how that bike turns and the, the new bike the new one but it's like it's got a lot of hours on the frame it's pretty tired well, in a good way to be honest i think um i think the new frame it's very good for amateurs yeah i think it's very good because it's easier to turn um i think just for a normal rider like amateur and uh, not gp maybe level um i think it's probably better than the old bike really i i think so so like to buy the bike i think it's it's a good bike it's ready to race and and it's um it's good but for you guys, there's so the feedback that I would hear from people is that that new bike when it first came out was just way too stiff compared to the to the old bike. So 
what did what ended up changing that made it better for you to where you go from one year struggling to the next year mxgp world champion everything <laughs> yeah a lot yeah a lot we we test a lot i like i said it was such a rough year we got also a lot of information because yeah we i had to go through all the gps uh, different kind of dirt and we also test and i gave a lot of comments and uh, at the end of the year they took all my comments and they they tried to figure out something and um yeah we changed a lot from suspension to engine to frame so like no stone unturned very small like things stay the same um and we got to a bike right now that it's i think we have quite a good base so doesn't matter if i need to race sand or hardback yeah. the base is very, it's quite good like yeah. i'm comfortable i can ride like i want and and i think we like i said before we still can improve a lot um for me i think the um, i always said it's like the the weight of the bike it changed like it felt like it's like way more in the front and you need to turn a lot with like with upper body yeah where with the old bike you can stand up a lot it's like more like like that you know like more in the rear end and yeah and uh, it's something that i like to be honest um i think maybe the um the group of riders that were testing for us um and came up with this new project were not ideal mm. and then other riders uh ex uh gp riders that um tried the bike and they start giving probably the wrong comments mm. the wrong comments because i i'm from the first time i go on the bike i've been always saying the same i didn't change my story you know yeah 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 never yeah, it's yeah. always the same yeah so um it's easy i'm not blaming a bike for nothing and probably those other riders that test the bike uh, and said yeah very good it was maybe to make other people happy. Yeah, yeah. And this, I don't like this. Yeah. And these other riders also blame the riders, we, so like myself, for not being fit, you know? And I also don't like it. Yeah, so, uh, you're fit. <laughs> I'm fit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I, to be honest, I'm probably one of the fittest guys for sure, for sure, in the GPs, for yeah. sure. Like, I can go first a lot this year i improve a lot so this year i could go full 35s if yeah. i need to attack in the last laps like i did in france yeah in the nations two weeks ago yeah. I, it's no problem other thing is i can pass or not because i'm not so good at passing that's another story but i can put the pressure in the last laps no no doubt you know so um but yeah you can you can blame i'm not fit it's if you blame me, I'm not fit. Then we do something to make so I can prove. Yeah, we'll do a test. So I can prove I'm fit. Yeah. So, so yeah, you need also the right guys to test something and give the right comments. Yeah, because that's a big problem. Like in in test writing in general, it's a, it's a problem in any job where you're getting paid to do something and people expect a result from you. Like if you're, I would always say, like when I was doing the filmmaking for we'd do a lot of work for red bull and we'd do this project and i'd be like sick stoked this is great i've done a good job and then you end up on an email with like 45 people that you don't you've never heard of them and they're like change this change and i'm like motherfucker you have no idea what you're talking about and you're just doing this so that you can say you did something towards this project i'm like fuck off i don't need your feedback 
it happens you in know, everywhere, everywhere everywhere also with us yeah you, know, yeah. you have people that you better say what what you're doing like it's better like uh step out of the way and let us work you know yeah, let me cook <laughs> <laughs> so um but yeah you cannot do anything i am i'm a writer and i I get one bike, I try to make the best comments as possible to bring, let's say, my bike to 100% and, and ride it and try to win with it. So yeah. I know very good what's my, my goal. And, and then I hope the rest of the people around me, I hope they have the same goal and yeah. that's it. Yeah. And this year I could see with some changes, like uh, it was it was nice, uh, David De Carly has been now our team manager. Oh yeah. And it's nice because he's, uh, he's young and uh, I know him since 20, well, already since my 250 career. Uh, no, probably before, 125s. And uh, so I know him long time, but I've been working with him closely when I came in, when I got into the uh, the Carly racing, and he brought me to do some trainings together, and we doing we've been like doing gym and running together. So we had we a have good relationship. a very good re- and yeah. right now he's like one of my best friends. Like he's a very good guy. That's and so good. He and he's my team manager. So. Um, I know, um, I, and it, but it's hard. It's hard because he has also a responsibility, and and he also needs to follow some of the, um, let's say, lines they put on him to follow. Yeah, so there's like he's in between you and the, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he's a little bit in between, but he's been doing a gr- very good job this year. I I told him, come on, for 23, I want to change a bit everything. I want to go and uh, do some more training in Belgium to ride more descent. I did that. No problem. No, you want to do that? Let's go. I put a mechanic. Mechanic goes there with my mechanic, uh, Mateo, my training mm-hmm. mechanic. No, all year. Always focus on the training. Bike always perfect. So I loved it. And um, all right, we come into December. It was freezing. And I was riding Bergen, minus two degrees, everything frozen. I was like, calling Davide, I think we need to go back to Spain. We need to go to Spain. All right, Mateo. Put the bikes in the van, parts, everything. Tomorrow we we go to Spain. I took the flight. He took the van. And two days later, I was riding in uh, in Spain, and that's cool when that's, you can you, when you're flexible. Yeah. And after that, I went uh, back home and uh, we did some uh, more riding in January in, in Spain and back to Sardinia, mm. and from Sardinia to Rome. And from Rome to I remember Belgium. that's when we were talking a bunch, Rev. You so were just I was, everywhere. I was dude. everywhere. Yeah. And then I go to France. Yeah. And then back to Italy. So I've been doing more what I felt I had to do in that time. Yeah. If I had to test on hardpack, I would search something very good. Yeah. If I had to test in the sand, I will just search something very good in the sand. And we were very flexible. And that's also because we had um, very good communication in the team, mm. because the team support me 100%, and because David did a great job on uh, organizing everything. My mechanic was there um, all the time, fit to do everything, and we make the difference. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it, that's a huge difference. To be to have the confidence in your in, in a team and, and to have people make sacrifices and to not take the easy option. The easy option is not to pack the van and drive to Spain. No, and that's... That's the hard option. And it's like to have a group of people that are behind you to do the hard option all year. Yeah, all year long. All year long. We've been doing that. Um, and it's nice because then you also feel a bit free, you know? Like, if I want to go somewhere else, we then we go somewhere else. But 
obviously we do everything with the right mindset. We just don't go to Spain just because I'm Spanish and no, because I knew I wanted to ride in that track to test the bike. I wanted to ride the other track to test the bike in the other type of dirt. So I, I knew we were coming from a rough year and I wanted to make sure my bike was the best as I can coming to the season. So I had to test the bike everywhere. I just wanted to test everywhere. So I knew, okay, in this kind of track, we need to fix this. In this kind of track, um, it's okay. Then I think it helped me a lot. To mm. It was good. I was very happy. Very, very happy. And the GPs, man, I think I think we're really starting to see over these last, I mean, I guess since kind of the Carmichael Stewart Villapoto era, that the MXGP riders have a clear advantage in motocross nowadays. Like, I think that there's a there's a, a culmination of time that you guys do on pretty shitty tracks and pretty <laughs> shitty conditions and it's not prepped and it's not like maybe not so much fun <laughs> at times yeah but, it's hard you know but the proof of the way that you guys have been able to ride motocross bikes in motocross is crazy the level has just yeah. got so high it's getting and you know what like a few years ago like if you go back to i don't know 10 years ago yeah 10 years ago i went to yeah i went to belgium more or less in that time uh, not so many guys were living 100 percent in belgium you know what i mean so if you go to a sand race uh, someone that was not belgian holland yeah dutch or yeah that's it yeah, would not even be competitive in, mm, in that race in the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. Now, yes, Spanish guy can win, French guy can win, um, whoever can win in whatever conditions. So that means the level of the sport and motocross got so much higher and, and competitive. Also, the trainings, I think, over the years, they uh, we got more professional with our trainings off the bike, also, but also with our trainings with the bike, you know? So yeah. we raised that um, level of the sport, and right now, we are going fast. Like, I feel like we have a very good level going around tracks with big bumps in a very good speed. Mm. The bikes, the bikes also got better. Now you have uh, so many brands, like factory brands in the GPs. 10 years ago, you didn't have um, some of the brands factory with factory support, you know? And now, yes, like every brand has a factory team. And there's going to be more. And it's going to be more. So that makes it also nice, I think, for the sport. That for means, sure. That means the sport, uh, motocross, is growing, and I think it's nice. So it's um yeah like you said we are racing rough tracks very very rough and you gotta be strong the bike needs to be good and uh and yeah i think also um in my case for example um i told you before one of my dreams has always been to race with jeffrey and and like this year like face to like yeah face to face kind of yeah and um that's why i stay also so long in uh, mcgp and i didn't want to come over to america or something i just wanted to raise jeffrey and but that gives me also the um like um how you call it like the um, the motivation to train hard to catch him and to be and and try to beat him one day but that also raises the level oh right? for sure because you're pushing him and for sure i'm not the only one that thinks this yeah so yeah. That makes the sport, you know. And then he's at home knowing that you're coming, you know. And it's like I think as headstrong as as Jeff is, then he's thinking about you. Like he's worried about your performance. He's worried about your starts. He's worried. Yeah, starts. You, you know, like he's he's th- that 
does push the level because he's not he's not thinking that he can just run over Jorge Prado like that's not gonna that's not gonna happen and I think that that is leading to that effect that you're talking about yeah and uh, now that I was thinking also you know having now more factory brands also more riders have the opportunity to be more competitive yes and before having less factory brands you had to be in that team or in that team or you were not as competitive and mm-hmm. right now you have many bikes that are good so then the level you know of competition it's it gets higher and uh and yeah going back to jeffrey he's been i think a motivation for everyone knowing uh you know they call him the fastest guy on the planet uh best sunrider ever so come on if you have you have one guy like that in your championship you want to beat him right because if you beat him then who are you then the best yeah you're the best then right <laughs> so that's it. That's it. That's the motivation, right? Yeah. And I, I told Jeffrey, I, I always tell him when I see him, you are my motivation, you know? You, that's that's I, cool. That's, yeah. Because I've, I've been living in Belgium or not anymore, but back then I was, uh, when we moved to Belgium for six, seven years, full-time Belgium. And Jeffrey was running, winning GPs and everything. And I was just a small kid and that was my, my reference, you know? Yeah. How much faster was he than you at Lommel when you were, like, say, you were on a 250, he was on a 250? Me, I was on a 250. Like, say, like, the first time you got on a 250, I'm assuming Jeffrey was still riding 250 class, maybe? Yeah, yeah, for sure, because, well, the first time I raced Jeffrey, it was in 2016, so my first year 250, I was just with a stock uh, KDM uh, in the Dutch... uh, Dutch Masters. Dutch ma- it yeah. was not Dutch Masters, it was Owen Kai. It was like a regional... Uh, it was a different name of the championship. Yeah. yeah. And uh, many other factor riders were racing back then too, in the 250, and he was, yeah, pretty much going... Ah, uh, he was world champion in 2016, right? I yeah. Think probably, yeah. Yeah. And um, I was racing with my European bike and everything, his stock. And uh, I, I remember, because I, I knew... I have been always watching a lot, Jeffrey, so... I knew a bit one of few of his tricks, so and time practice I stick behind him, and I knew exactly when he was going to pull the lap and everything. So I stick behind him. And I he was P one, I was P P P two, yeah, like not over a second, but yeah, you know the third one was like two seconds and half or three behind us, you know, and uh, that was the first time. And I obviously in the races I I couldn't manage to follow, but then that was like let's say half. To 2016, but um, at the end of the year, I I did my first uh, race in MXGP, well MX2 class, but in the World Championship, and then I got the factory bike for that race. So I I start first in the quali race, As and, usual. <laughs> and he was second all the time, but he somehow he he couldn't pass me and he stayed too long behind it sand was wet something happened to the bike too much sand uh. or I and the bike stopped. So I won my first ever race on MX2, quali quali race, quali race. Against Jeffrey. Against Jeffrey. And then on Sunday, we had so much rain, so much rain from Saturday to Sunday, the track was floated. And on the second moto, they flat a little bit, the track was like, yeah, because I was used to ride the sand, but not with holes like that, but like a bit like lighter holes. And um, I start first again. And he was, I think, quite early second and he couldn't pass me like he couldn't pass me he couldn't pass me and then obviously he go by but then i pass him back 
And I remember the first time I he passed me, he kind of blocked me a little bit in the corner. We were in the same ride and I touched his rear wheel. And he was looking back and then, what are you doing? He goes, he was fighting for the title. I was just yeah. one race. And, <laughs> and then I remember I, I could pass him just in front of the tribune from Holland. We were racing in Holland. Oh man, it was crazy. The horns, everything, you know? And uh, obviously he passed me back and he won the race, but I was uh, third in um, in my first ever uh, MX2 race. And that was the first time I really like race uh, Jeffrey. I was like, I was 15 and it was uh, super cool. It was super cool because like I said, he's been always a great reference for me. So it was nice. What did you, was it a surprise when you first saw him ride at like Lommel on just a normal day and you were like, whoa, I don't know how to, if I can go that fast. Or did you always think if he can go that fast, I can go that fast? I never knew. I never knew. I was just 85 and he was going, sometimes even he was riding sometimes with the 450 back then already. And he was going like full gas already with the 450. I'm like, this guy, why is he? I was thinking always, why is he not racing 450s? Yeah. Why? He's like wide open. And um, I remember I was riding uh, one day after school in uh, Dörner. It was, it's like a track in Holland. Yeah, yeah. Quite sandy. And no one was there. No one was there. Just myself. And then one guy came with a gray van, like a Vito kind of style. And there was a bike coming out stock 450 but there was the number 84 i was like yeah but jeffrey didn't ride it was like off season at that time he should be like low bike uh he started riding so fast and the track was so wet because that's why nobody was there <laughs> me 85 and he was like uh, uh, 450 stock wide open wide open i was like this guy it's crazy fast like this guy, it's crazy. He shouldn't be riding. He go to the shop and he just took one bike because the team didn't really want him to ride and he was riding, you know? <laughs> Man, still, you, you hear some stories. You hear some stories about old Jeff, eh? Just how gnarly he is. Just like whatever he wants to do, he does. Yeah. I mean, I need to say also it's because he created that too. Yeah. Like there are many guys that we train a lot too. and But he has that different kind of personality mm -hmm. and he built that all around him he's the best guy and the hardest and when he gets injured he gets back as soon as possible but we all do that really mm -hmm. um we all do that i like i said i race i race with two months and two weeks after the break of my femur in Matali. i go uh, i think six overall my first ever 450 race without testing no riding just no feet out of the packs because I, I had pain in my leg. The Monday after the race, I couldn't walk uh, around the airport. So, and I didn't, you know, I didn't get that yeah, kind of. Yeah, 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 So it's also how you sell things, you know? Yeah. But he's he's been doing it great. It's no? smart. That's it's why it. I'm also talking that like this with Jeffrey, you know, he's been always a reference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's cool. And I think it's cool. The, like, obviously, I've spent a fair bit of time talking to him and then talking to you and there's two guys doing the same thing winning the same title under the same organization <laughs> couldn't be more different <laughs> like you are very different people yeah i mean we are spanish and dutch come on it's yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah. even just being spanish and dutch it's already different yeah and then you have different kind of people right so um but i think 
People say, you and Jeffrey, you're so different. But I think in many ways, we come up very close in many things, you know? I think like training-wise, I'm not riding five days a week, but I'm riding a lot too, and I'm training a lot too. And maybe in a different way, but the amount of training that I do, it's a lot. Mm. It's a lot. And the way of... um, I think approaching to a race and everything, this is a bit different. He wants to be P1 in fair practice. He wants to be P1 time practice, warm-up. I don't need that. I only need to be like good at the end of the day or good at the end of the championship. So that's a bit different approach to the racing. And that men- kind of mentality is different. Mm. But I think in the side of training, I think we are quite um, similar. We mm. also try, because I know him a little bit, and he always tries to see also and go to, he always tries to search perfection. And he's always looking a lot to other riders to search, mm. okay, if he's doing that, I think I will, you know, I can improve too. And I do that too. Yeah. So I look a lot and I try to learn from everyone. And that's something that I think uh, makes us um, improve and get better. Yeah. For sure. It's funny you say the Dutch thing. Like, you look at Jeffrey Hurlings. Him and Max Verstappen are the same dude. <laughs> like, they're literally the same dude, you know? And I think that there's there must just be something in that. And there's been a lot of great Spanish championships. And not just in MXGP, but in, like, MotoGP, for sure. You know, you've got Marquez. You've yeah. got, you know, Sete. You've got so yeah. many... <laughs> So many amazing Spanish motorsports. Going back to Sete, you, you, we, we you, you had that interview with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, I I spent some time with him. Yeah, he told back, me. Yeah. He told you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We spoke, I, think, I think we... I can't remember if we spoke about it on the podcast or off the podcast, but he told me when, when you were a little boy, yeah. your dad took you to his, his yeah. ranch to, yeah, to see... to it. ride some uh, road racing. Yeah. Yeah. How of, was it? Because of his uh, cousin, Pato. Yeah. Um, he, um, I am having the license with him and stuff, and he's the cousin from Sete. And back then, I I was racing Spanish Championship 65, and um, Pato saw me racing... Uh, close to his house, like Spanish race, and I was winning and I was so much faster than the rest. And he was like, wow, this guy, it's good. I, then he started talking a lot to Sete, this guy and Jorge and all that. And he's like, okay, come on, bring him here and let's see if he's that good, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I went from Galicia to his place. It's like almost 1,000 kilometers. My father and my grandfather driving because um, my grand my father told to my grandfather, "Hey, we are going to the house of Sete. Yeah, we know you're a big fan. If you want to join, oh yeah, yeah." And my grandfather drove the whole time. He didn't want to sleep because he was a big fan from Sete. Yeah, and uh, we go to his place and I rode first day motocross and then the next day I went uh, we went to his track and um, I did some road racing and. It was nice because it's a totally different world, and he's uh, he was a super good guy with me. The nicest and guy. He is the nicest guy. Huh? And uh, I I remember it was uh, it was uh, I still remember uh, going back to my grandparents' uh, house. Uh, it's like full of pictures from that day, you know. Mm. So it it was a great memory. Do you was the road racing thing a serious thing that you wanted to do, or was it more no. that was just the one opportunity? No, he. It was just to have fun. You yeah. know, he just wanted me to go there and 
and just have fun and try because he knew I didn't I, I've never tried road racing before that so he wanted me to to try and and have fun with him and see how how I was riding also motocross bikes so he was also impressed about my road racing skills and uh, I was also feeling quite good the year later I did that the same the same thing and yeah he, he was great experience he has a very nice place that everything mm. is so clean and it's nice and he actually he wanted me to race road racing so um i got to him and i say hey i will race road racing but if the races are not the same date as my european 65 championship because otherwise i then i go motocross racing he said no 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 come on if you do one thing let's do it properly and and let's do road racing then i say okay i i stick with motocross because i i like it more and but he actually offered me to race um, um, and and to train and to work with him for road racing. So it was my grandfather didn't understand my decision. My decision. Also, my grandfather said to my father, "You are crazy. Like you better break bones and win money than break bones and not win money." You know? Yeah, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, the sport, you know, monogross is just um, different. Yeah. What What was the thing, even at that such a young age, what made you not want to do the road racing? I come from trials. So basically, I didn't start riding motocross. Um, so motocross bike was not my first bike. I was riding trials and I was racing and I was better back then in trials than motocross. But somehow, I don't know, I think the jumping, the... Um, when you're small, uh, motocross makes you a bit scared. Come on, when you can go into a tabletop and you're like, Phew, if I need to jump with a 50cc, you know? And with trial, I didn't have that. I felt like I had everything more under control. Mm. But maybe that feeling of being out of control, you know, was nice too, you know? So I started riding a little bit more motocross and I, then I started winning also in motocross. And I I stick with it. I yeah. stick with it. I, I was enjoying it more. I think you probably would have won world championships at anything that you did on two wheels to be honest like i said before i was better back then in trial than motocross like with trial when i was like six seven years old i was beating guys nine ten mm. when i was riding motocross with six i was not beating the guys from ten so like when i see videos from when i was like small riding trials i'm like oh, i don't see many kids doing that you mm. know and but, you know, I still ride trials, but twice a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think you did twice a year. It's funny too that you end up riding for Gas Gas because that's a big trial. Yeah. That's a big trials company. Yeah. Now it's easy, but you know, because before when I was riding uh, for KDM and stuff, they it was hard to put something to on a, a Gas Gas. Bike. But yeah, right yeah. now it's like, oh, I can post whatever I want, you know, and I can film myself riding trials. It's no problem. But yeah, yeah. I do it like three times a year, you know. We ride so much on the bike that uh, we don't have time. We don't have time. And maybe uh, the time I could have, like, off the bike, it's now. And I decided to come here to the U.S. and ride Supercross. So uh, just uh, the sport. I just love it. Yeah, it's so sick. So did, have you done any riding and road riding on a big bike yet? So have you ever rode, like, a like a full sports bike? No. I wanted to ride the MotoGP, try the MotoGP bike. <sighs> but already a few years ago, and... We got into a point that I even made the suit, like the, um, how you call it, um, racing yeah, suit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I have that at home. Yeah. Ready, 
ready to go. Gloves, boots, everything. Did just Alpine the, Stars make it? Yeah. Yeah, sick. And um, with my name, logos, but obviously from when I was racing KDM, so now I should change to red, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we can make that happen and, quite quite easily. And uh, I told to Pete, I told Pete, hey, I wanna you know, I like road racing. I would love to try it. I would love to try just and then I was also talking many times well many times I talked also to different riders from the grid from MotoGP and they say yeah you, you should try it you should try the MotoGP yeah directly MotoGP because that's like a real bike and and they said also you know you have so much um, electronic and stuff that can make it go Quite easy safer yeah yeah so um, yeah it's something that it's also interesting but now that I'm starting with Supercross I'm like not even thinking about road racing yeah 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 <laughs> Dude, I'd be pretty cool if you got to got to suit up. I I did a bit of road, not racing, but like road riding, and uh, man, the most fun, like so much fun. Yeah, it's just the feeling. I just don't know how it feels to go three hundred kilometer per hour in a straight. So I I just want to feel that, and yeah. also then um, it makes it makes it easier when you watch the races from MotoGP to understand what they do. Yeah. So that's also something I I'm curious. I'm just curious to feel and. Why? Why do you do that? Why or um, why they don't change the line or why? I don't know. Just to understand better the sport, I think you should try it. Yeah. And okay, it's it's only for a few that can have the possibility to do it. So hopefully in the future we can make some laps. I think they'll there will be a video at some point of you saying this exact thing. They'll take this footage and then the very <laughs> next shot is going to be you in your red gas gas suit. So many of those boys love motocross too. Like uh, Jake Dixon, he rides for Gas Gas in the uh, Moto2 class. Yeah, and I know. Huge fan. Huge super... I went to uh, World Supercross with him like when it was in, in the UK. So all those boys just, just love so much to, yeah, they, to race. You'd see a, f- a few of those guys at the motocross tracks, yeah? Um, yeah. Um, last year we had like uh, an event from Red Bull. Um, it co- it's like a Red Bull... Um, Dirt weekend, uh, yeah, in Spain, in Rocos Ranch, you know, Rocos, mm. yeah, the track, the Morocco's track close to Barcelona. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, that one? yeah, yeah. And uh, well, they they made an event, and Aleixo Spargaro was there, Paul, um, uh, Jorge Martin yeah. came over, so uh, I was riding with them. Then in Rome, I'm living like five minutes away from Fabio Di Gian Antonio. Okay, so he also rode with me a few times to Morocco's, and. Um, yeah, those, yeah. So it's nice. It's nice to see that also other guys from other disciplines like, and, and the most of them started riding uh, with um, with a motocross bike. Yeah. So uh, they started riding motocross in the regional championship, even some of those, even Spanish championship, and then they moved into um, into road racing. Yeah. So, so it means the base, it's motocross. Yeah, you know? and and so many of those guys are just they the ultimate respect that they have for athletes in motorsport is Supercross and motocross. Yeah, you know? a lot of those guys you can talk to them and they say they yeah, the- even uh, Mark Mark and Alex they both ride motocross often and one of um, like the guy that it's uh, with them uh, Jose Luis Martinez he's like uh, he was Spanish champion. Uh, motocross mx2 so they are in a road racing world but the real team is motocross fans you know yeah, so yeah. it's nice yeah it's nice yeah it is cool it's, i never i never understood how much 
those guys and all sports like because of doing the podcast you see so many people they'll like send a message they'll be like oh i love this i listen to this and you're like damn you race motor gp or you race formula one or downhill mountain biking world champion or like everybody is looking at motocross and supercross as like they all think they're the gnarly they're the gnarly motherfuckers <laughs> it's it's quite true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, they're not wrong. No, I mean... No, I, I, f- I mean, if I don't say that, then I'm stupid, right? Because it's a sport I need to promote as well. I need to try to make, you know, to bring uh, motocross into um, people that never ever heard about about it. And especially in, in Spain, motocross is not that famous. But slowly it's getting, uh, it's getting there. Um I remember when I was 65, 85, the gates were like 15 riders, like Mm. empty. After my two titles in in these last years, full gates every in every class. So this means we are doing something good. Also, the Spanish Federation start helping a little bit with the European team, and so come on, we we are doing you know step by step. It's getting there, and and it's nice to see also that because of my little or big, um, let's say, uh, achievements yeah. um, that brought little bit to the sport. Yeah. So I'm I'm quite happy about that. I think Spain is a country that's very receptive to motorsports, though. Like, Spain yes. is... motorsports in Spain. Yeah. But also sports, you know. Uh, in general, too. Yeah, we have, we have one sentence in Spain. It's like, I'm Spanish. Uh, it's like, um, soy español, ¿a qué eh, quieres que te gane, no? It's like, uh, I'm Spanish, let me know in what you want, I beat you. You know, because we have many sports, uh, yeah, yeah. like athletes in Spain, um, that are good in everything, like yeah. tennis, um, football, soccer. Uh, then going to motorsports, uh, going to Formula One. Um, well, that's in, in the motorsports world, but uh, cycling. Mm-hmm. You know, we have quite many sport athletes uh, in a very high level so so yeah what do you think that is why uh i don't know um i don't know maybe it's because um in spain we like the sports also we have let's say in europe spain it's a big country and we have the weather also. I think weather, yeah. Our weather probably thinking, has something yeah. to do. Yeah. We have the weather in many, the most of Spain is good weather. Yeah. From when I'm from, not. It's like, kind of like England, always raining. Oh, and, really? Yeah. But for the rest of Spain, we also have the altitude. Mm-hmm. We also have the flat. So we have a bit of everything. Depends what you want. Spain, it's a big country and you can find everything. You can have um yeah the rain from the north and the dry and heat from the south so so yeah you can you can do a lot of things in yeah Spain. it makes sense and i think the i love barcelona like i think <laughs> that's a amazing city and i i got to spend the the stark future like the stark vibe yeah, yeah. yeah they're in barcelona and and i've been there a few times now to visit those guys and i i say in like in Sitges and it's just oh, right. oh beautiful like that but i think the the people and the culture like i think that there's a there's a a, a, a re- relaxed vibe among spanish people you know what now that i i'm traveling more around the world or i've been now traveling around the world for a few years and 
and I know the different cultures. I think Spanish culture is very different to the rest. Oh. Like all the rest are more or less similar. Like for example, um, in Spain, you go for lunch and you go for lunch around from one to four, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's like that. In Belgium, if you go for lunch, you better go to the restaurant. Minutes, 20 minutes. And yeah. you better go at 12, because otherwise at two, it's close. Yeah. Before that, for sure. For dinner, the kitchen doesn't even open before nine yeah. in Spain. Oh, it's crazy. If you try to go 8.30, yeah. it's rare that it's open. Yeah. 8.30, but in Belgium, at nine, the kitchen close. is closed. Yeah. So it's totally different. Like, you live in a different kind of schedule. Yeah. Everything is different. Um. And just also the relationship be, uh, with other with other Spanish people, you know. Um, so between Spanish and Belgian, it's different. That people in Spain is more open, and yeah. Belgium it's more closed. Yeah. But also because of the timetable, it's so different. Uh, in Spain, you see people around the city. In Belgium, at those times, you you go to any city, it's quite empty. Mm-hmm. Spain doesn't matter the city; it's always there's always someone. Yeah, walking and you don't even know why he's walking. You're like he should be working. No, but he's walking yeah, and he's yeah, grabbing yeah. a coffee. But it's millions and millions and millions of people doing that. So yeah. it's just a different timetable and it's culture. Yeah, different. Oh, you've nailed it! Like a hundred percent. Like <laughs> when you when you go to Spain, you get into a completely different time. Like you get into a different world. You get into a that like we were in. Uh, in Sitges and then there's a there's a beach that's over and I went for dinner with Morgan who I'm not you might know Morgan Carlson but anyway he works there with the Stark guys and we we met at like 8 p.m and then we walked around the city for a little bit and then we stopped and had some wine and some meat and then we went down and and it's like midnight by the time you're just finishing dinner and then you it's just you're on Spanish time and you're you're on a Spanish vibe like you go and you try to Go for a, I don't know, you want to buy something in the evening and the shops are open till like 9 p.m. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you see every everything, it's way different. In in Belgium at 6, it's closed. So mm-hmm. you want to buy, I don't know, clothes or whatever, it's closed. The shop, it's closed. Yeah. It's not open after 6 or even before that. So um, it's just so different. And every time I go back to Spain, I... I struggle with the times because as an athlete, yeah, yeah, the Spanish yeah. times are yeah. horrible. Yeah. Like you can't go to sleep at 12 yeah. or 11.30 yeah. and then wake up still because the Spanish people still wake, wake up, up at early. 7 or, yeah. or whatever time they need to go for work, you know, like the rest of the world. But then they go sleep so late. And then you're with the food and and then you're talking on the table and you're I'm like, come an on, we need to go, we need to go, we need to go. You know, yeah. I have... I'm Spanish, but almost with a Belgian mentality, but then uh, still Spanish. So it's like a mix from everything. And I'm, oh, (laughs) it's tough when I go to Spain. Yeah, Um, I bet. It's tough. Yeah, and I think that to talk about sport again, I think that you have a a Spanish culture that enjoys leisure. They enjoy to play and you play sport. And I think that in the time, like the... 1 to 4 p.m. when yeah just doing what it's we'll go play some football we'll yeah. go for a ride we'll go you know there's there's yeah. such a play culture and such a, a vibe around doing the thing getting the most out of life and i think that that then pushes people a lot into sport 
and then it just gives you a chance to spend a lot of time like in that yeah. and nobody's gonna say you shouldn't be doing that you should be working hard you should be people are gonna in spain you you're allowed <laughs> to play in spain <laughs> yeah i think the mentality it's different you know it's just in many ways and also um yeah looking back to other countries like uh, italy it they say yeah it's similar but it's similar but it's far still from spain um the mentality it's like i said it's different it's like kind of like spain many years ago so it's like coming yeah i think spain sometimes it's too far in mentality yeah. like too open and too many things go on and yeah. but um even like Spanish women and relationships and man. Yeah, like that's what I mean. It's like, yeah. <laughs> they're just doing whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> yeah. Spain, it's crazy for that too. So, um, but Beautiful also, country. But Beautiful country. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> but that I think comes back also to the timetables because the day oh, in Spain, the day is very long. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, if you go to sleep at 11.30, but you wake up still like at 7 o'clock, it's many hours that you can do many things, yeah. you know? In the most of the countries, if you wake up 7, okay, but you go to sleep at 10 or even before that, uh, yeah, 10, it's already late for some of them. So, you know, I don't know. It's like a different vibe. And uh, I remember I was also swimming uh, um, a lot, almost every day when I was small. I was also doing competitions. Um I was swimming and I finished my swim at maybe 8.30. But I still go home. I still had dinner and I still study after that. So the day even for a small kid ends up at 11, yeah, 11.30. Yeah, which where like in Belgium, the small kids, seven. you know, at 7 they're sleeping. Yeah, yeah in, in Spain at 7 you are still having, you know, your meal between lunch and dinner. Yeah. You know, the sandwich <laughs> yeah, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, no. I went for the, uh, the Spanish F1. <laughs> And we went to dinner. We were at uh, one of the, it was one of the cool kind of hotels, like right, right near the, I guess you know, the big, um, you, know, you have like the roundabout that's kind of like on the water. It's got that Where? huge in Barcelona, got that huge big statue, like yeah. kind of, so it was right around there. And I think we finished dinner at like midnight or 1130 or something. And then I walked out and I was like, oh, I'm going to go. It was my first night in the city. I was like, I'm just going to go for a bit of a walk before I get my Uber back to the hotel. And it looked like lunchtime. <laughs> like, it was just everyone. Everyone was out. And it's like, it was so pumping. And it was just a Thursday night in Barcelona. I was like, yeah. holy shit, that place is yeah, cool. You know, in Spain, you find people every day at whatever time. And so many cultures, too. Yeah. A lot of different cultures. Yeah. Also, you've been in Barcelona, but it depends the place in Spain, you know. Um, but it's true. Uh, we have in many places, many cities, a lot of people from many places. Yeah. Barcelona is very touristic. So obviously you find people from everywhere, everywhere. in the world. Yeah. But it's not that common. Like, yeah. You go to other cities like, uh, I don't know, Lugo. Yeah. You find people from different places, but not like Barcelona, obviously. Yeah. Because it's way smaller and it's not that touristic. Yeah. Let's say. That's one of the cool things I think about the MXGP is that it's probably one of the most annoying things and most frustrating things, but it's probably one of the best parts is that you get to see so much of the world. Like yeah. you've seen so many different cultures and yeah. been to so many places and experienced so much. And I'm sure it's fucking annoying <laughs> at times to do some of those flights and yeah. have to do some of the travel, but you guys get such a great view of the world. But we, we race a lot in Europe. 
We yeah. race a lot in Europe. We this year we just went for Argentina, Argentina, and Indo. Indonesia. Okay. Okay, and Turkey, but Turkey it's quite close. Let's say fairly European. Yeah. Um, and that's it. So the rest we all yeah, we are okay. always so not as much we are as always in Europe. But it's every like I don't know in in the US, but like um, from Spain, like I said, to Belgium and then, or to Sweden, there, everywhere there is a difference. In yeah. culture, yeah. Uh, the people personality. Rules. I don't know if it happens uh, here in the US. You Not know, as, some nowhere from, near as much. No, nowhere but there, yes, th- like there is a very big change in everything. Also, food and like everything is different. Um, so I think it's also cool because you see, yeah, just different things and you also learn um, and you can take a little bit from everyone. You know, like I said, I'm Spanish and I'm proud Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> but then I know the timetables in Spain are not right for an athlete, you yeah. know? So you need to change that, but you still take all the nice things from Spain, right? So uh, it's not to take from everywhere the best things and try to make us put your life, you know, stable. And I think it's cool. So what's your perfect balance from all the countries that you've been to make the perfect Jorge Prado? What do you take from each place? Well, I think uh, uh, something quite... Um, what can I say from from Belgium or Holland? It's that um, compared to maybe Spain, uh, it's that in maybe in some ways they are more organized, a little bit more organized, um, and they are maybe a little bit more strict in some ways. Um, but in Spain they are a bit more open, so. It, it's hard to say, you know, because... Um, you need a little bit of everything. You just need to find your own balance. And and uh, going around the world gives you a, a view from everything. And also, that I think is very important. When you go to a place like Indonesia and you come back to Europe, you really know that you are, like, privileged on living this life. Like, when you go to Indonesia and you see how the situation is over there from the people and the conditions they are living, what? like puts you you know the feedback on the ground mm-hmm. and but and it's also good for us sometimes to see that um and to appreciate everything we have mm-hmm. and we are living a very nice life so uh i think it's for many people it's very important to see it yeah man it's it's so true i think when when you've never been uh, some like i was just talking with ben spees in the last podcast that I think it's 50% of Americans don't even own a passport and 14% of Americans have never even left their state. So, you know, you you just don't have, like, it's very easy for me in time. And my wife's Russian as well. So she grew up in a very, 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 very poor environment, you know? And so when you're around someone every day, that's so grateful for like little things. Like when she first moved to Australia, she started crying the first time she went into a supermarket because she was just mind blown. Not that it was the first time she'd been in a supermarket. Yeah, but like in in Australia and like the prices of everything and the the quality of everything. And it was just, I'm just like, yeah, just whatever we like, just get whatever you want. I don't care. (laughs) Like whatever. (laughs) And to her, that was a massive deal. But to me, that's been my whole life. Yep. My whole life I've been able to walk into that supermarket and get whatever food yep. I wanted. But for the most most of the world, it's not it's not the case. And no, you go to no, 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 no. like a 
like a Viet- Vietnam or Cambodia, like my dad and mum do some work in Cambodia and the, they help do some like charity stuff with um, with a, a friend of ours has a charity over there and they build houses on rubbish dumps because the poorest of the poor people in Cambodia live on rubbish dumps their whole life and they yeah, forage for rubbish to make a living. And It's crazy. And it's like, it's so easy for us where we come from to have a bad day over yeah. nothing yeah, over, right. over like the dream life the absolute dream for somebody else in one of these countries is your shit day yeah that you're grumpy and, and arguing with your family or your, yeah. your girlfriend or whatever and it's just like when you can have that perspective like it really helps your life yeah and i think that's why we need to appreciate everything we have and um obviously motocross it's um it's uh let's say priority but at certain point it's not any more priority you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. there are things more important than than motocross even though we, we sometimes think uh motocross it's uh, the best of the best and there's nothing more above that but uh yeah, there is there is so um no we just need to i think uh like we said just uh, appreciate everything we have and uh enjoy our life I, at the moment i'm pff, more than blessed from what I achieved and and hopefully I can achieve uh, way more whatever titles uh, happiness riding with the bike and and everything so well, it's like that and you can see you can see how people with like what you would call nothing can have amazing yeah. lives and yeah. just happiness and like you'd see the smiles on kids faces in indonesia yeah, it's crazy when crazy. we go to indonesia we got into sometimes into like a mall and and because i it just came the, um the image to my fa- to my head and we enter into a mall and um there were like some kids uh, just sitting on the ground because most of the people there it's like sitting always on the ground it's, that's weird but it's like the kids were there and they saw us there we, we just look different obviously and they just start laughing and they are like wow, looking to us and it's like we are their heroes you mm-hmm. know what i mean when we get there the opening ceremonies they do for us um whatever uh you can feel like uh like uh, they have a totally different life and they they for them there are other things more important and uh, it's it's nice to see and hard to see yeah. also because you know you're driving for example in indonesia from the hotel to the to the track and you you can you know see people living just in on dirt yeah. you know just no house there is no house they're just living there no water how how is he eating how is he getting himself clean and but that's their life for the for all millions their life and, millions and, and millions then of if he has a kid his his kid maybe he can make it happen but if he doesn't have like a better life then his life will be like that like his dad mm-hmm. and this is very hard very hard. but they are so like they are always super humble and super happy yeah and yeah. this is crazy because it's like the most of the people or call it Europeans if they need to live like them then they come into depressions and all these mental yeah, yeah, things yeah, and yeah. and they are laughing and then when they see us they're waving at us and it's hard it's not easy but maybe also because they don't maybe know something better yeah. than that yeah 
and that yeah. was that what uh, it's making them being so happy for yeah. really little things yeah really little things i remember cycling also this year in indonesia and there was two kids um going also with a bike i had a road bike helmet everything cool and the guys were without even without flip-flops you know just mm -hmm. normal feet on the pedal uh rusted bike uh not even the right size for the kid and he was popping wheelies everything like really small kid and you know i i start pushing him a little <laughs> bit on the side and and it was nice to see he was trying to follow me you know and yeah come on this is so nice like for really little things like no shirt just the uh, underwear and no shoes nothing just go yeah. on the bike and go 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 and and uh come on this is nice it's yeah. nice to see the happiness but yeah. obviously like i said before it's hard you understand the situation from the kid and it's like phew, he's having a tough life not me cycling now carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you because at carmax we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car you should love your car That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Two hours in, in sweating a little bit, you know? Yeah. This kid, it's... Um... It's every day. Well, we, we had a, sim, like, a cool experience when we were, we were driving through... We were riding. So... My my friend owns Vietnam Motorcycle Tours, and my dad, my parents do some work for him. And so we've done a couple of times now where you fly, they pick you up from the airport, and then you ride these like Chinese Harleys, basically. <laughs> and uh, and you get on the bike, and you're on the bike for two weeks, and you ride all, all right. the way down Vietnam. You do maybe like five hours one day, eight hours one day, three hours another day, and you work your way all yeah. the way through the country. Best experience. It's so much fun. And every day you're in that environment, just seeing those people. And some days for lunch, you just have to pull in and there's the, the guide, the tour guides are all from Vietnam and they just go to a fam random family. They've never met them. They don't know. And then they'll just say, hey, can we please prepare some lunch in the, at your house? And you'll just stop on the side of the road and there'll be, there'll be a family And they'll like bring out the, you know, the woks and the burners and then they're, <laughs> yeah. and then they're making these, uh, like we'll have like baguettes and some meat and some pho and that, and you're just sitting with this family. They don't speak English, like they don't, you know, and you're just chilling, you know, yep. and we went through one of these, one of the, the villages that we went through. And this is what's cool about motorsport too, is we, we're riding through, we get into this kind of mountain range and I just, these kids hear us coming. And then you, I was looking way down the road and you can see them. They were just sitting on like bicycles in front of the house. They dumped the bicycles, sprinted into the house and then like 20 bikes, boom, 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 <laughs> yeah. come past. And there's two kids, exactly what you said. No shirt, no, just underwear and shoes 
on a scooter, like a 50cc scooter, MotoGP style, like putting their knee on the ground and like just... Yeah, the knee on the asphalt. Oh, dude, and they were just loving it, you know? So it's like, yeah, you can see people that don't have much no. that just have a lot of happiness because they're just grateful for the things that they do have. Yeah. Yeah, it's super cool. Uh, so what about the food when you're traveling? Do you get to get adventurous with food? Hard, oh, uh, no. You just stay on the program? Yeah. Yeah. that's such a bummer I get why you'd have to to be honest I always try to eat healthy yeah but also my body's my body it's like asking for healthy food it's yeah. like yeah I'm not going to a restaurant and I'm like oh I just want french fries no yeah. it doesn't like my body doesn't want that I also know when I have that kind of food the next day or the next few hours I will feel heavy so yeah. I don't like this feeling so I'm quite, um, I like to eat healthy and, and, and clean food. Um, when you go racing all over the world, it's hard to find a balance yeah. between eating healthy and not grabbing whatever comes first. Because uh, sometimes we stop in places where we just need to grab yeah. whatever because we need to eat, you know. But um, I have like um, one sponsor now, Free Insights on my shirt. And they are doing like cans with um, like fish protein or like meat uh, protein or whatever. So I, for example, Indonesia, I brought, I don't know, I don't know how many cans, like for lunch and dinner every single day in Indonesia. So I had that and then white rice that it's not too difficult to get over there. So just the same food every single time I eat. And it's hard, but um, well, I was, you, I was you good. Ha- yeah, you can't risk it. I don't want to risk it. No. And when you get bad in those countries, it's it's uh, you don't want to go to hospital or you better want yes go racing and back and that's it. Yeah. So you also with the food you need to be very careful. In the rest of Europe, you it's can easy. eat easy, yeah. easy. Yeah. Argentina, easy. You can have good food. Oh, Argentina, the meats. No problem. But uh, the hardest for us, for all Indonesia, the Europeans, sure. MXGP riders, it's uh, for sure. Um, yeah, Indonesia. That's the best food though. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so unlucky that you can't get to eat that. The food in Indonesia is so good. But if I was racing, there is no way I would be risking it. Because sometimes you'll eat like the best meal and it's so much flavor and it's so amazing. And then you just spend the next like three hours shitting yourself. No, <laughs> and, and it's worth it when you don't have to race and a motorcycle. Now, we all know we need to be very careful. We all know we need to be very careful when we for go sure, to Indonesia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've been now in Indonesia for a couple of years. Myself, since 2017. Yeah, yeah, 17. So it's already a few years that we are going there. And we all know if you eat something there, um, it's you're likely getting sick, you know. And the most of the riders, we all bring our food. But still, many of them got uh, got sick this year, for example. Really? So you need to be careful with everything. So you see a swimming pool, you need to be careful. If the water of the swimming pool gets in your mouth a little bit, you're done for the two weeks, so yeah. for two races. From the shower, brush your teeth with not, with normal water. Um, always always uh, water from a bottle, like closed bottle, not yeah. open. Oh, you always need to be so careful. You can't eat ice cream because the ice. ice. You can't eat um, a salad because they water, they wash the the salad um, with the water. You need to be careful with everything. 
Yeah, yeah. At no. the end of the day, you're like, what can I? Eat? Do you, do you like the fact that you guys go to to Indonesia to race, or do you think that it's just not enough of a setup um, to hold a MXGP? I th- it's we are just on the limit. Okay. We are just on the limit because has it got better in the years that you've gone there, uh, or it ha- it's stayed the same? It's very similar always. Mm. Um, the tracks are nice. So the first round, uh, it's very nice. Um, it's a very like. It almost looks like a pro motocross track, mm. to be honest. Like, like the starting straight, it's like, I think like one hundred <laughs> meters wide. Yeah, you know, like yeah. you land a plane on it. Even too much. Yeah. And um, so for riding, it's nice, but then um, yeah, I mean the food. We are, need to be always very careful. And we go, for example, the first round, we go to a place, to an island, which is we don't have anything like that. We need, I need to eat my own food. Otherwise, in that island, I get sick. The second one it's a bit better because we are in Lombok and there are some restaurants. Uh, I we even found one a Spanish one hmm. because uh, one of the guys that are working in the MotoGP track in uh, Lombok mm. in Mandalika. Mandalika, yeah. yeah, it's Spanish. One of the guys that organize everything, and he's living there. And he's he I know him because the year before he came over to the GP and he said, hey, I'm Indonesia, whatever, if you next year are coming back, let me know and I bring you to different places, whatever. So uh, this year I call him and uh, he, he was the guy also that arranged a bicycle for me. And um, That's cool, yeah. yeah. So I call him, he's like, yeah, come over to the track. So I make a lap in the MotoGP track with a road racing bike, like yeah. very easy just to check the track. But then I also, um, we also went, like I said, for lunch uh, in a Spanish restaurant, Paella. Jamon Serrano. Really? So that, oh, after eating white rice and my stuff for like one and a half weeks. The flavor from The paella. first time I got to eat something <laughs> different was like, wow, so good. Yeah, so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. And it was good. It was good. So the second round, it's a bit better because we are also in a um, better resort. And there are also like a few other resorts around the area that are good. And you can be a bit more relaxed about the food. Like you could eat different pastas and meat and that's it but it's something more than just white rice you know what i mean so um so it was okay the first round it's just on the limit but the second round is good yeah and overall though you think that the mxgp should be going to tracks like that um i always say that um mxgp it's the world championship right so we can't only race in europe it would be easier for us to only race in europe but come on, it's a world championship. We need to come to Argentina. We need, should come to US. We should go to so different too. places. Yeah. Like we should even go Australia. more. Whatever, yeah, I don't know. It's a world championship. That's, it's hard, huh? Because every time you come back to Europe, it's hard with the jet lag or whatever, also for racing, but it's the world championship. And it's the same for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing, you know, it's, uh, I understand also the other part, you know, the teams, uh, it's expensive to go to all these places, but it's a world championship. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No, if I you can... only race in Europe, it's no sense. It should be called European championship. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I think, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that there's definitely, I mean, it's so hard to, it's so hard to say because obviously like we're not in front and we don't, you know, you don't know how much it costs or blah, blah, blah. But you would have to think that, you know, Australia, like I would love for Australia to have a motocross of nations. 
I've never been in Australia, so I would love to go there too. Oh, amazing. <laughs> amazing tracks. Motorcycle racing is huge. I saw some um, some tracks on the internet from Australia looking good. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's some really great tracks there. And you've got maybe two of the biggest stars in the sport right now uh, yeah. from Australia. And you've had Chad Reed, Michael Byrne, Brett Metcalf, Andrew yeah. McVart. Like so many Australians have come through um, the MXGP. And I think that it's... I th- also think too, like people are going to start looking more towards the MXGP now. I think that I think that people are starting in America, especially, or just people globally are starting to think that they should maybe do more time in Europe before they go to America. Like you look at what happened with Jet and Hunter. I think people are looking at the model and going like, "Man, those guys came in and just killed it." Compared to and, the, and to be honest, like. They spend time in Europe, yes, but I mean, compared to many other guys, um, I think it was only a few years, like yeah. maybe three years. I don't know, more or less around that. Yeah. Even, uh, like um, for sure, they it helps. It helps for sure to ride the sand and to ride all these tracks. But on the other hand, they are good because they have the talent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe that helped for sure, but. They were there in, like, not so much time, like, yeah. a small amount of time. But I think if you... I don't know how much it can benefit just two, three years. I think it was three years. Yeah. I think something like that, right? Um, yeah, three, or maybe more, eh? Now but I'm thinking, I think, yeah, I, I, I mean, know. it was probably around three, three maximum, maybe four years. But... Uh, so, Honda, uh, Suzuki... Um, Kawi before that and yeah so three four years yeah but i think that if well, you it's think already about a time that you can already yeah not i'm thinking yeah for sure it helps but they know how to ride a bike so they knew yeah. how to ride the bike before coming to europe yeah and for sure they will know how to ride once they are gone and they are coming here but i think the thing that makes a difference nowadays is that amateurs in the u.s will race maybe four times in one year right yeah and if you go to europe you can race EMX, you can race Dutch Championship, you can race, and it's yeah, so, you're, you're it's, a, it's so much more. So like, yeah, yeah, maybe they were there for only three years, but in that, those three years, you see so many different tracks. You do so many different races in so many different conditions, and you're such like the, the underdog when you, you know, when you get there. Um, but I, I think that with what they have done, you're going to start to see more and more kids stop to just yeah. think that they need to just come to america just do loretta's and then go into the pro class from from there because that model has they did it good because uh, they came straight to belgium so yeah. it's not just going back to europe because europe it's like it's not the same if they would have gone to spain or italy or or france that it's like hard pack and easy tracks kind of now they went straight to belgium like i did from yeah. spain they left everything behind and they went to Belgium. And that's that was the place where, you know, the you you can build yourself like a rider. You can understand better the bike, your positioning on the bike because the sand is so t- difficult and you can ride in so many conditions like sand when it's wet, the sand when it's dry. But then also around the area, you have also hard pack tracks. I know they they also been in uh, living in Germany. So you also, he, they could also mix with different championships and mm-hmm. it's a good area. To build up your writing skills you know yeah for sure they help it helped yeah so I, I just think that yeah maybe the mxgps are probably going to start to get 
a little because I, I I remember, you know, when I was really growing up, like a super fan of the sport was like oh six, oh four, oh five, oh six, oh seven, oh eight, and it's like that was Carmichael Stewart, you know. But it, when I was small, I only watched AMA Supercross. Like I didn't knew. I didn't know many GP riders when I was How world champion in '65 in 2011. Um, I didn't know so many riders from MXGP. To yeah. be honest, I knew everyone from Supercross because all I watched back yep. then was like DVDs from Supercross, not yep. not really MXGP. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I th- I think that you know, that influence, that was our generation. And so much of the attention was on the US. But I think in recent years, I think with Caroli, Hurlings, yourself, Vial, like there's been a a Porcel, like there's been such a resurgence of European talent and the European or the MXGP championship. And then I think once, uh, once the Euros started kicking America's ass, in the in the motocross nations it <laughs> seems like now people start to look at the mxgp yeah. so much more differently yeah i think the level we have right now in europe it's uh, very high um and it just comes with generations you have yeah. maybe a generation that in the u.s is better than europe and then you have another one that in europe is better in the u.s um at the end we all ride a dirt bike Mm. okay here they ride more supercross and there we ride only motocross but it's the same bike i mean i've been riding these days supercross and you also can take a lot from supercross into motocross you know Mm. um and and then at the end you need to turn fast in supercross right but you need to do that the same in motocross Mm -hmm. still different suspension is different but the bike concept and everything it's pretty much the same come on so um we have a little bit advantage for sure because we ride the whole year that. Mm. But um, but it's yeah, it's hard to say, you know. Well, I think here I don't think that makes that big of a difference, you know, because we get to a level that um, I don't know. I I don't know what to say to be honest. I don't know. Well, I think I, think, <laughs> I don't know. I think one of the things that <laughs> probably know. holds America back in a sense is that they it's way more of like a refined product. Like it's almost American motocross now. Like the MXGP is motocross and it's every form, every variety. Like you go to Trentino, to Spain, to Portugal, to Lommel, to Argentina. And it's like the, and then Erne on the weekend. Like you could see how bad, you know, some of the American boys struggled with that. I would say Erne was a good track for them. (laughs) <laughs> to be honest, because the track wasn't super rough. So we race tracks way difficult, way more difficult than Ernie. Uh, just because when I we race MXGP, we have another two, three categories mm. in the weekend. So before our first free practice, uh, eight categories go on track. Eight. Yeah, yeah, before yeah. Before our first free practice, you yeah, know, yeah. nations not. We are the first ones second ones on track come on the, the track it's totally different right so um i think Rene was the best track kind of for them because it wasn't super rough and it has some ruts it wasn't also not extremely hard we race also turkey turkey it's hard 
yeah. very hard. Majora, second <laughs> yeah. model, and after winning my title, second more, it got hard, hard. This is tough to ride. Ernie still had some grip and... Do you realize how bad Christian Craig, Aaron Plessinger, and RJ Hampshire are going to feel hearing you say that that track was easy? It wasn't easy because to go fast, it's yeah. always difficult. Yeah. But, but um, no, but I was talking uh, still this week with uh, Christian and I told him this track was not that difficult compared to what other tracks look like. Like Durstendal, oh. Germany. If you need to ride that track, it's hard. <laughs> It's hard underneath. You have places with mud. You have yeah. places with, like, the most of the track is very rutty and the bumps are unreal. So that's difficult. Yeah. Or, um, you know, even Spain was very rough this Dude, year. that looked like, sketchy. So ma- yeah, and you had some places where it's super hard. So, yeah, it depends. It depends. Uh, I think uh, it was right also that the track was like this for nations. And I enjoyed more. Eh? I enjoyed more riding a track less rough and that we can compete more like, um, mm. how you call it? Like, yeah, more like face to face, you know, because in the GPs, it sometimes feels like you need Surviving. to wait, wait, wait. And then just you can just sprint a few times because the track is so rough and you don't have so many mm. lines. I feel like in nations, we had a bit more lines uh, in, and still could be better. But we had more options and the track wasn't that rough, so we could attack more the corners. Like I felt like the speed was higher than in other races, and that's because the track was more flat, for mm, sure. That's wild, man. Like down the hill. It wasn't, you, it wasn't that you rough. You jump and you open the throttle. Yeah. On I feel like a normal GP weekend, you would jump and brake directly and like going down the hill just bum 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 just easy yeah otherwise you go over the bars right <laughs> but in nations not even second motor we were going quite fast down the hill like i was like it's not used to that speed yeah so it was faster than other years for sure how was nations overall for you i think spain has man Sp- yeah. spain's uh, you guys have a chance i think yeah we we had the chance um we should have been on the podium but i did a good job and my teammates kind of struggle with the mistakes. So, so yeah, then it's uh, Nations, it's a team. It's like a race where it's it counts at three riders, not just one. So yeah. everybody needs to do a little bit good. And uh, this year, yeah, we've, we failed in doing that. So, um, but um, my racing was good. Uh, we also used Nations uh, for just testing a little bit. So I was also riding uh, quite a different setup and everything just to try. So I was not super comfortable, but still I could manage to win first moto, uh, no, sorry, um, quali race. And then I could manage to fight really for the win in moto one with Febre and putting everyone behind plus 30 seconds. That was a so, crazy cool race. So we were riding fast and then second moto would just Missed a little bit the first corner with Kenny on the inside and uh, I just got a bit blocked into the next jump and somehow I I couldn't manage to make quick passes and uh, yeah, then Kenny and Jed were already gone and I was just fighting all time with uh, Maxime so uh, I would have loved to be a bit closer with Jed and, and Kenny. Because uh, for sure I had the speed and um, and to see if, uh, you know, eventually at the end of the race I could make a pass or something. But, but I think it was good, you know, I... I've been all weekend very consistent already from free practice. I was second, just 0.08 or something like that behind Jeremy. So we were we did the same time and 
so already consistent from there and and that's something curious not because if it was like a normal mxgp i would leave out of nations with a red plate again yeah <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean because yeah, of yeah. my consistency during the weekend yeah yeah so um no it's it was a good weekend i think we had some good racing it was nice that also jet lawrence came over and kenny and and uh the thing from uh, you know like jet being undefeated here and finally I could beat him and break that streak, no? And the quality race, and then again in the first moto. I think it was cool. What What is it like for you to see Jet do what he did over here in his rookie 450 season? Because I know, yeah, like you would be, okay, I think there's something different would happen if I was there. I'm sure Fevre thought the same thing. I, You know, sure, Jet. I mean, uh, Fevre, myself, we all beat him twice from the three times. And if you take free practice, we beat him uh, three from the four times. So, and he, everybody was putting laps in free practice. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a very good rider. He did a very good season. Come on, 22-0, right? Pretty gnarly. Even if you are better than the rest, to be able to don't make a little mistake, it's difficult. I know it because when I was in the 250, I also, in my second year world title, I won pretty much every single motor from the, every GP. So I won, I don't know how many motors, but I'm so many, I missed one. So, you know, you can make, or I think two, two motors. So just slightly mistake and you're, it's gone, you know? So he did a very good job on that. And uh, being first year 450, it's uh, it's not easy. And, um, but yeah, also the competition, it's, it's different. Um, it's different in in Europe than than here. Some of the guys were not racing outdoors. I'm not saying he wouldn't do that if the rest would be uh, still there. Maybe he would still beat everyone. But you have more guys, you yeah. know. So if you have a bad star, you have more ba- more guys to pass too. Yeah. So it's just you never know. You never know. But he did it, and that's clear, and that's staying, you know. So he's he's doing good. When you when you watch him ride and you see the technique and you see the flow, I mean, you're very similar. Like the way that the way that you ride the bike, the posture, the you know, I think that you're if, if you'd say there's a Jet Lawrence of Europe, like you you qualified for for that. But do you look at his style and do you see him doing anything like a little different than maybe you or other people do? Or do you um, think that he's doing the same thing? He just looks a certain way while he's doing it. It's not easy to do. Like when you see videos of him in the US, it feels like a lot of flow. Yeah, but do that in Tushintel, you know? Mm. That's different. That's different. You, you, in Europe, you don't have that flow mm. because it's rough. And you need to hold on to the bike. And after a corner, you have big um, bumps. And then you come into the next corner and you have big braking bumps. And then the rut. And the rut, it's not it's not nice because in the model before, they put too much water and it was floated with mud. And then now your foot pegs drag and then you have a hole because of the water and then you go up again. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like that here. Yeah. Here, you all the track has a bit more flow. Also, it's way more like uh, the corners are wider. Yeah. In Europe, we we turn so tight that you can't have that f- like nice mm. flow so um so yeah it's it's harder to just have a nice feeling also when you look at the tv we look a little bit slow when compared to maybe 
America. And then they come over, but they are not faster. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just the tracks are so different in the, the riding style. And I, I, th I feel like in Europe, you need to be have more strength, you know, like it's like more going through the bumps. And if you don't put the throttle open with the big holes, you are not moving, you know? Yeah. Here I, from other riders, they tell me, yeah, but here you just have the ruts and the bumps are not that big. Out of the corner, you barely have bumps. In Europe, it's destroyed the track. Yeah. So it's pure strength many times and just hold on to the 450. Man, after uh, you got the... Uh, I only got to go to the 1GP, so I'm only using Arco as my one example, but there was a couple things that was really striking to me when I was there. One was how good Fevre's bike looked. <laughs> that thing was so sick. But after the finish line before the left-hander, those bumps on the inside get big. Yeah. And man, his bike just looked amazing through those bumps. Yeah. But then you go left and then you go right and onto that start straight. Yeah. Holy fuck, that start straight was so gnarly. Like just the huge bumps out of those things and just every 450 just oh 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 yeah, oh, yeah. oh 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 the whole <laughs> way down. I was like, oh my God, dude, this is gnarly. Like if you start looking to our grid, uh, the top guys from the 450s, they are all quiet, like big muscles, a yeah. little bit tall. Yeah. Like maybe the other, the only guys that are more like small and it's myself and probably Sewer. Yeah. But Sewer is quite strong too. Like, yeah. like strength, like he's very strong, but he's just not that tall. But um, all the rest have a good height and like big, big, yeah. big like bodies. Jeffrey's a big dude. Yeah, but also Geyser. Yeah. Uh, like some, pretty much the top guys that are riding now for 50s are very, very strong. Just the body. You don't see so many like myself, like very thin and, and, and yeah, looks like to ride fast at 450. Now you got to be a bit more mm. strong, yeah. especially in the GPS. Yeah. Because you need to hold on. Like you can do a lap, no problem, but 35 minutes. On a GP second moto, it's hard. Yeah, it's very hard. So, so it's the sport is changing, you know, a little bit more. Yeah, I think so too. Like I've said that a few times this last couple of years, is I think that we're now entering like the more athlete era. Like I think in previous years, like you look at Tony, not a very big dude. I'm sure he's extremely fit. He's, and, he's and, also has a uh, like strong body. Like yeah, but he would not. You're not seeing him play football. You're not seeing, a, oh, like an American football, like a big muscular, no. like athletic kind of yeah. dude. Whereas you look at like Jet, jacked, Sexton, jacked. Like yeah, I mean, some guys I, the first time I, big. I saw them was like last year, Chase and, and Jet and Nations after Redbutt. And well, at Redbutt. And oh, they are like, I don't know, 10, almost 10 centimeters bigger than me, taller than me. It's like almost two heads. You know, like yeah, they are big guys. I'm compared to them. I'm, I'm small. You know what I mean. So, um, um, yeah, I think for motorcycles it has its uh, benefits. Uh, for example, coming to a corner, uh, I get so many times my ass kicked <laughs> from the bike. You know, like, yeah. and when you're a bit taller, it happens way less. So that means you can approach the corner in a better way and. And also more comfortable and putting also more pressure into the bike. Sometimes yeah. I feel like I'm way too light, you know, and I can't put the pressure good. And especially in Europe, 
that, that we have, like we talked before, so many tracks so hard and I feel like sometimes I can't put on so much pressure just because I'm not that big. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm getting bigger compared to three years ago. I'm, I have way more muscles. I've grown maybe <laughs> a few centimeters, not much. <laughs> but uh, for the rest, I'm more like a man, let's say, and and still it's not enough. Um, the tracks, like I said, in Europe are so hard and being a bit like more tall and big, it's it's not bad. Yeah. Do you, are you doing anything to try and put on weight and size? Yeah. Like I said, I think I'm pretty sure I'm the guy that trains the most. In the, uh, the most. Like, doesn't matter here, America or Europe, um, in the motorcross world. And um, It's hard, though, to put hard. on weight when you're also, spending just, so much calories. And also because my, I think, metabolism is yeah. like this. So yeah. my genetic, you know what I mean? Um, I have, like, my legs are, like, very strong. But my upper body, even if I do weights, I do whatever. But I it gets to a certain point and I can't get bigger. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it, it will come with the years, I guess. I'm yeah. only 22, so probably in the next years I will get more muscles and it will probably help me. I feel like sometimes I, I would like to have a bit extra strength, you know, for the 450. But uh, but still, um, I'm doing quite good with the strength I have. And yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good. Did uh, when... When Romain made his charge towards the end of the season, like you obviously had a pretty big points gap, but did that start to affect a little bit? Maybe like, oh shit, I need to start going a little faster here, or or was it just one of those things where you knew I got the lead? Don't let it affect you. Like just keep keep. You going. know, when I, th- I think he won like five races, five in, in a row. row, I think. Yeah, yeah, but out of those five races, few of them. I, I even put some points in between myself and him. Mm. So he won the race, but at the end of that weekend... You won the war. <laughs> I won the war, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And some of the other races he won, I just have equal points. And then the other one, maybe he just two points ahead. So I was not stressing out with almost, I don't know, 90-something points ahead. Yeah, okay. So that I didn't know it was that many points. Yeah, I had nine, I think at one point, 102 or something like that or or 101 I don't know big points gap so to stress out because I didn't win but I still we still have same points in the championship mm. no no rush you know yeah. I and then I also had to play it safe in in a way of I don't want to put this championship um yeah. you know um I see I could see that I have um a, an opportunity this year um, with that points gap, you know, I was scared to lose it, you know. So I was like taking it easy in some races, and when I knew I could charge hard, I I was charging hard. Do you think that they gave too many points to the qualifying race? Obviously, you're the guy that benefited the most from it, so it's a little bit well if, um, loaded question. If they take out of if they take out all the quali races and they just stick you with still it, win. I still win almost with the same points. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, at one point of the season, um, uh, at one point of the season, I if they take all my quali races out of the way, and they take uh, from all the rest of the riders all the GP so Sunday points plus quali races, I still I was still first in the championship. So if I didn't have any quali race wins or no points on Saturdays and just take my Sunday points, I would still be leading the championship at one point of the season. 
So when the people talks about, yeah, but you win the quality race and stuff, no, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Because the points difference, it's nothing. Mm. The, the, the guy that wins, it's just 10 points. But the second one, it's nine. Yeah. So it's just one points different. So yeah. that's nothing. So like, just, it uh, just for me, adds to they like should a- be They should do it like MotoGP. 12, 9, 7, I think it is. And like bigger difference. Come on, if you win, you, it's not just one point more than the second. Because then the, the eighth and the seventh, only one point also in between. It's no sense for me. But it's better than nothing. It's better yeah. than nothing because it uh, puts more value into Saturdays and it puts, um, yeah, makes you be more consistent. So I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, you're a fan of the the format. Yeah. Like I said, I would even do it a bit more extreme, you know, going 12, 9, 7, something like that. Yeah. More difference. Yeah. And then, then it would be... Big advantage. Bigger advantage. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, oh, that's cool. I, I hadn't done the math. I hadn't looked into the math. Um, many people, that's why they, many nah, people it's talk. Cool. It's cool to and hear. They just talk, but they need to talk knowing what they'd say. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why I tell you this. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's cool to know because yeah. from the outside looking in, if you don't do the math and you see Jorge Prado with, this enormous <laughs> points lead <laughs> and he's won every quality yeah. race that's you what you think, think. yeah that's what that's yeah. what you think that he has but that's just you rode that good this year like yeah. that's really what won it's, you this title was being the fucking man i remember in um friday before argentina they asked all of the riders about about them quality races and about the year and nobody nobody wants to let's say um speak and really from their heart or what they feel they, they are very polite to most of them you know like yeah, it's, it's, it's okay it's good we'll see motivated for the year you know what i mean say so i think for me it's uh it's good it will put more value into saturdays which is which i like and we race for something so mm. we will race for points so it's you need to be more consistent and i said the guy that makes the like gets the feel on the track already from the free practice because now everything starts from free practice if mm-hmm. you think if you didn't have a bike or you don't feel good on free practice then you need to figure it out in time practice but then it's too late because you need a good gate pick from saturday because mm-hmm. on saturday you have points and that saturday it's also important one because of the points and then the gate picks for sunday yeah so everything starts now from monday eh, sorry monday sa- uh, saturday uh free practice you yeah. know what i mean yeah and I said, it's going to be, it could be a very good year for me because I feel like I, like I'm very, like I can be very consistent and I'm quite good in short motors, like shorter motors. If with my good starts and stuff, it's, there's not so much time to catch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so the, if, if we had to talk about the one weakness that Jorge Prado has in his game, it would be if you don't get the start that it seems harder for you to make yeah. passes than maybe some other people. And I think that's my weakness, my only weakness at the moment. Um, I can't get good through lappers and, and just through the field. I struggle a lot, but there is a reason. It's because you've only I've, ever won races no, from the front. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've only, you never had to practice. I only know how to race. Like I know how to race when I'm in the back too, but not too much in the back like if i'm already like 10th 
it's hard for me to get into first. Like it's harder for me than for other guys. Because I don't know, I'm scared when I go too close to another rider. Um, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm not used to it. I've been starting first all my life. All my life. Every single class, always first. But that's also the deal, you know? When I start first, I'm comfortable. Yeah. So how, you know, it's difficult yeah. for the rest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and this year, I had a few times I was sitting in second. And I was like, oh, this is so much easier. Why? Because you see where is the guy in yeah. front going. Second, because in second you only need to make one pass, you know. So that's <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so you know, okay, he's losing there. Oh, take it easy. I know he will make a mistake, or I know if I push him a little bit, you know, there I can make the pass. So, ah, here he's going faster than me. I change the line, and I go faster. And so I go yeah, faster. But yeah. if I'm going faster there, and I know he's slow there, and I know the fast line, I got him. Yeah. But when you're first, what do you do? You only know your pretty much your own lines because you are scared to move to the outside, for example, yeah. and that the guy makes a block pass or goes in the inside. So you need to be very smart when you're first, and uh, it's hard to know. Um, and more cautious when you're first. Exactly. Yeah, and but then when you're coming through the pack, you can't be cautious. You have to be like almost throw caution to the wind and be very aggressive. Very and aggressive. Make big risks. I never. But that's not the way. That I've never touched anyone in my life. Like yeah. block pass or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In my life, I've never done it. I don't even know. I'm. You should. It's fun. Yeah, I did it. I Dude, tried. Talk to Vince Freeze. He yeah. loves it. I tried to make a little block pass this year in the quality race in Arco, and I crushed. <laughs> I was the guy trying to make little block pass because I had a bad start, and I tried to go through the field, and I was like, "Okay, I need to be aggressive. Come on, you can do it. You can do it." And when I got into the point, I lost it. You know, I'm like, "Come on!" For one time in my life, I tried to be a little bit aggressive. I think I almost didn't even touch him. And I already lost it, you know? It's not made for me. I'm made for good starts and that's it. <laughs> so how, how do you work on that though? It's impossible if you don't start bad. Yeah, true. So you're just trying to eliminate the bad starts. At one point this year, uh, we were thinking to maybe go and race some other races and let everybody start. And I go behind. But then... I don't like it because I see a lot of risk, you yeah, know? Yeah, so it's yeah. hard to practice that, um, I think, by experience. And I feel like I got better. So I feel like from the beginning of the year to now, I can go through the field better. Or at least with the lappers, I'm better. Mm. But oh, I lose so much time. Like, um, it was crazy even on, when was it? Was it on Saturday or Moto1? In France, I think on Saturday, uh, Jet had a bad start and he was going through the field. Yeah, yeah. He pretty much didn't lose time. Like his lap times with lappers or not are the same. Yeah. But my lap times with lappers or not are big difference, like almost two seconds, you know, or something like that. But um, yeah, then it's like he knows to go through the field because he's maybe never being so consistent starting first. But then when I got no lappers, I'm pulling away because I know how to handle that. You know, when the track is free and I'm first. Yeah. So And a lot of people you know are quite I mean? uncomfortable there. Like a lot of people are uncomfortable uh, when they've got the lead. Like even when I was, I was talking to Hayden Deegan and he was saying like, oh man, it's kind of scary being out front. He's like, I just don't, it's gnarly. You're out there. You, you don't know where anyone is and you don't know what the pace should be. You don't know how hard to go. You don't know like... You have mastered something that is probably harder for most people than coming through the pack. 
But it's like for some people, it's so much easier to go. I mean, through the pack to go through the pack. Yeah. Um, then starting first, a clear example is Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. They all said, yeah, but Jeffrey, every time he needs to come through the pack, so it's harder for him. And and then yeah, when he wins, it's like yeah, he's an animal because he's been coming through the pack this year. He started a few times first. I think uh, in Portugal, one of the motos, or on Saturday, every time this year he started first. I'm not 100% sure, but almost every time he starts first, he's never finishing first. He's, he's not, not used, to, used it. to it. Yeah. Tushtental. Uh, I knew he was. I was second behind Seward. I couldn't pass, and I knew Jeffrey was behind, and I didn't stress. Jeffrey passed me, and I was like, okay, perfect, perfect, because he will pass Seward, and I will just and follow. And I'll see where he goes. And yeah. I did that. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. So now I just gotta go for Jeffrey. And then when I put the pressure, I felt like he didn't know how to handle that, you know, because he's not used to no one to put pressure on him. Mm. And I was faster, and I put pressure, and then I I could see he's not used to that because I don't care if my the guy behind it's on my wheel or one second behind, it doesn't affect me. Like I'm, I don't care when he's when they are behind. I I'm easy you know yeah, but yeah. other people not and in Tershental I remember I was putting a lot of pressure on him and well he made a mistake but he was already you know kind of I could see him on his riding style I know I knew exactly the gears he was riding when I was behind I was like mm, it's wrong it's wrong he's doing wrong things and it's because he's not thinking he's just well he's thinking too much probably yeah, on me. yeah yeah in some jumps he was looking back and uh yeah it's because you are not used to it and and it's not easy because uh, when you're first, it's very easy to make mistakes when they put pressure on you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. Like I'm just, I'm just thinking about it all now. So it's like the criticism is, oh, well, boy, he can't make passes when he's not in the lead. And then it's like, well, who gives a fuck if he's never not in the <laughs> <Yeah>. lead? <laughs> like, this almost isn't a problem. Like, is this the problem? If I start, let's say 90% of the time, well, I don't know, 90 bet big percentage of the time first who cares if the <laughs> other 10 I can't make big passes like I'm never well never sometimes you can have a big mistake but if I'm in the top 10 for sure I get to the 5th 4th 3rd that area I can do it like, that's good points it's it good points and then reset and nail another start and then reset another start if I get the whole shit probably win if not I am always finishing second or third, pretty much. Or second or third, not more than that. Um, so, so it's yeah, really not that big of a I mean, problem. Yeah. Um, for sure, I need to improve. Um, you know, days that I start bad, I I need to I need to figure out how to go through the pack. But I think it also comes with experience and being a bit more aggressive. But maybe that's something also positive. In my side, that I'm not that aggressive, so that makes me um, have less mistakes than other riders. Yeah, yeah, you're there every weekend. So, yeah, you need to balance all that. Yeah, yeah. So, what are you thinking when you're on the bike, riding style wise? Like, what are you trying to do? Like, when you when you're in a moto, and what I'm thinking like in the moto. What like what what is good to you? What's good riding to you? Like, cause I, I'm I'm training right now and I'm doing my most riding I've ever done, and I'll be like I'll do a twenty, and then I'll be like, for my second lap's always my fastest lap. 
Yeah, every, second. Every moto, my second lap. And, but it's not like the other laps are super shit. But for whatever reason, second lap I'm in. and then. But it never feels like my fastest lap. The other yeah, laps because after you, feel... Because you're, you're fresh, you know? So yeah. it, it happens also to us, you know? Like when you're fresh, even if you go like, oh, full gas and you have that extra, you know what I mean? Um, but back to your question, I think, I think about just trying to ride effortless so i'm a rider that i don't use so much power to ride i mean i don't oh it's I crazy never, to like, hear your bike when you're riding i never attack too much the corners but i am also not super aggressive on the throttle yeah it's just a combination of rolling a little bit but at the same time um playing a little bit with the track finding lines where i will not have that kicking from the bike or i will feel like i don't need to use so much effort and too much energy mm -hmm. so i just from lap one thinking every corner every straight every jump where can i go that it's will make me faster but at the same time it will make me go like faster for a longer time so that makes me go like with less energy that's all every lap from the whole moto every single lap every single bump every single corner I think that so where can I go I come into the corner okay I didn't like this so I remember next lap I need to try something else or just slightly different not maybe a big change just something different maybe I need to put the front end so the front wheel in a different place or maybe I need to jump these two jumps two uh, bumps so I can make the speed later on but sometimes also you need you need to go through the line that makes you more tired for a minute to make that gap or yeah. to make yeah that difference, you know, because sometimes the tough line is, is the, the fast is line. the fast line, and yeah. this happens a lot in the sand. So, um, so yeah, you're thinking about also riding technique. I'm always thinking about that, also in training. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, I stay on the pegs. Ah, I need to put my my feet in a better position. Ah, this lap I made a small small mistake, maybe because I was laying too much in the front. Uh, maybe because I used too much front brake. Whatever, I just think all the time and just try to get better no yeah. that's why we do it too yeah to get better yeah yeah because i think that there's there's certain cues in your mind i think when you start to nail certain things and you start to like get into a rhythm oh, there, and you're picking some lines laps that you're like i don't know what i'm doing like so good like like flowing you know and then suddenly you make small mistake and it's not flowing anymore so yeah. then you need to try to flow again and that's hard and again and you're getting to the rhythm and that makes it special too this is motocross every lap is different then the perfect line breaks and then you need to build another one but mm. till it's not good you are fighting with that corner every lap every lap and you're angry you know because you're not flowing you're using more energy again so it's just the balance of um yeah riding smooth and uh, thinking you you need to ride by like thinking what you're doing you're yeah. not just riding with throttle and just trying to go fast with no sense. There is a sense, you know, you ride and you try to do everything safe also. I'm not a rider that risks my life and to get one second or half a second in one corner or in one jump. I, If it's going to be risky, I don't yeah. do it. Yeah. I take it easy. I don't, I spent already a lot of time in hospitals and recovering. I don't want to do that anymore. And many of those times are not even because I was risking. So 
I even want to avoid that. Yeah, even like, more. Yeah, even more. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, no, because it's uh, it's it's definitely been, it's been cool to experience writing as much as I have this year, because I think it's given me. I've always started, you know, love the sport, and I've always been so into the sport. But I think once you can really like really start writing a lot and you probably like you told me before it's the first time in your life that you're writing more often and you're training and you can see your progression right Mm. for me right now it's very i can feel my progression but it's very small steps like maybe it's just the enter of the corner a little bit faster and then you're like maybe i was a bit faster than yesterday yeah maybe or maybe not <laughs> you know it's it's hard to say but with you you have like a bigger range of improvement and um and quicker like you can mm. get to like a better level maybe in two weeks you're much faster than you were yesterday you know what i mean yeah and it's cool that's a cool thing about marcus too you know that uh, today i can't make the tabletop my baby in two weeks i can make it you know and then you f- like you like it because you are you see yourself improving that's cool right oh 100 percent. and it just gives you such like a such a more respect for you guys like not that i ever thought i didn't have respect but i think that it's you just get even more and like yeah. even the like one thing that's really been crazy for me is like my perspective on privateers that do it all themselves because yeah. like essentially i'm just a privateer with a job yeah. <laughs> that's trying to ride like three four days a week wash yeah, my bike lot, eh? change the filters change you're the right oil. a lot actually right at the moment yeah yeah three four days is like a pro yeah yeah and i'm sore every day and you gotta <laughs> get up and i'm like running when i'm sore and then i'm like oh i ran Oh, I ran on Saturday morning before I went to Glen Helen. <laughs> so I ran. I did. It was only like a twenty-five minute run, and then I did that. Got to Glen Helen and at, you were at twelve o'clock in that like in the afternoon. I was the last person on the track, <laughs> and I was fucking rinsed <laughs> by the end of the day. I was so beat. But I'm just like, man, these guys are savages. Like what they go through, and I'm not even doing. You know, like I, I did a thirty and two fifteens. <laughs> pretty weak in the, you know, in the big picture. But what you guys do and the lengths that you go to improve is just, it's, it's insane. Yeah, and it also comes with the physical training. You know, I think many times we can improve a lot because we get better in the physical side. Um, also, by doing more laps and a good speed. Mm makes you you know understand better um how you ride and and makes you uh, search new limits um when you can only do it for two laps it's it's hard to yeah step it up so true when you can do it 15 minutes a very good pace or whatever 30 minutes um 30 minutes all the time searching for a limit it's it's not the same as just two laps searching for a limit right so that's honestly so true and i think for anyone that wants to get better at riding that was the thing that that helped me so like i went to have have you ever rode in dubai no dude the track there if you ever get to ride there fuck i actually have a gas gas 450 (laughs) if you ever want to ride it in dubai if you ever do a stopover but i bought a bike there we were there for like three or four months at the start of the year and um and I just put my watch on my handlebars and 20 minutes I'd stop. And dude, at the start, like it's, the track is seven kilometers long. Jeffrey's actually been there before. Seven kilometers long of just the dry desert 
sand and it's all whooped out all up and down dunes like i had two huge crashes the first week i rode there because i fucking forgot where i was yes yeah, so like i just it's so i long. just yeah couldn't remember i thought i was that there was like a dune that you uh, that i jumped to the right because i thought it was a right hand <laughs> turn i just jumped sideways into a set of sand whoops but that like the progression that you can make from basically like i'd put my i'd put the stopwatch on for 20 minutes and i'd do like a lap and just be completely cooked like my tongue's in the back sprocket and and then you slowly start to make the 20 minute mark and then you once you can be on the bike for 20 minutes and then do it again that's like 40 minutes of doing a a fast like you know trying to put in you can learn so much more about your riding and how to improve by just being on the track for a longer period of time and i think like the at Glen Helen the other day, I was the last person out there. It was the very end of the day. It was a Saturday. The race is coming up, so the track was beat, and it was dry. And at the end of the moto, or like with you know a few laps in, you start to see your one line coming up, and you're like bringing the moisture yeah, out of it. It's yeah. like the coolest, the coolest feeling. And so yeah, it's like just being out there, being in in the game as long as you yep. can. That's the thing that gives you so much more improvement. Yeah. Yeah, that's also, I mean, with us too, you know, when you're riding, you always need to try and and think when you're on the bike and ride with the head and just try to, to see where you can get better because I think it's something that the rider needs to feel too, you know. Yeah. Um, sometimes you're getting into a corner and you feel like that's your limit and it's like, all right, if that's my limit, I will search it somewhere else, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And it will it will take some time and and then uh, maybe whatever more time ahead uh, maybe you can get faster into the corner because you feel more comfortable so sometimes also you need to know very good your limits and and if you feel like you're already like on your maximum just take it easy you know don't yeah. risk it i mean motocross we all know it's um it's a very yeah for injuries and stuff it's a difficult sport it's dangerous so we also need to think good when we ride and be clear you know a clear mind when we are riding yeah 100 percent. so supercross yeah you're here you're riding supercross there's been some clips i've seen you in the whoops i've <laughs> uh i was very impressed with uh the way that you were riding what is your hopes what's your plan not plans in concrete obviously but like what's your what would you like to do in america well, you know, um, at this time of the season, I I had to take some time off, but I really wanted to come to US. I really wanted to come here and and also ride sup- just to ride supercross, right? I I don't even ride outdoors here, full supercross for these two and a half weeks and and see how it goes. Um, I need to have, um, you know, uh, I I want to know what I want to do in the future, uh, in the next year. So if I don't come over now then next year it's maybe too late you know what i mean and and i want to know now what i want to do in the next year so that's why i came over i i want to see how i feel if i like it if i could see myself living around here and that's something very important for me so uh we decided the team um, the group support me and uh we came over have been now riding for two day two two and a half, three days supercross um and I say that I would say I, I'm enjoying it more than I expected. I already rode here in 2015 when I was 14. 
um, with the 250, I would spend two months. Um, but it was, yeah, long time ago, you know. You're and, a to- totally different dude now. And I couldn't even remember the feeling I had riding Supergirls like eight years ago. Come on, it's long time ago, long time ago. So I won the title. I say, come on, we go, we go, we go to US. They, like I said before, they all support me. Test track, bike ready. Uh, my mechanic came over. My training mechanic from Europe came over. So I have a good feeling because I have my setup. And yeah. you kind of getting a look at what it would be like if you lived here. Exactly. Like your partner's here with you, your dad's here. Yeah, exactly. And um, and then I also have like the support from the whole group, from the Gas Gas and from the KDM group. So everybody's out there at the track testing. Also the Husky guys are testing. So, um, you know, I'm there in the mix. I can see... Uh, Christian Craig riding and I can you know I have a reference from him I have also Malcolm I have 250 guys also riding so it's nice for me to ride and not just by myself because I also can mm. learn from the rest so it's very important for me to ride with other guys and and like I said before I'm enjoying it I don't know I don't know I um, I don't know it's I like it I like it I um, I need to see how it goes after these two weeks and and I don't know. I don't know. I like. I would like to also raise something. I. I don't know, and I'm. I'm lost. A <laughs> one. It's not far. A one. It's. I mean, hey, A one is not far away, but it's also not so close that you couldn't be ready. That's something that comes to my mind. I was coming here. I was driving, and I told my f- dad. Uh, when does A1 start and when does... January uh, 7th, baby. Uh, my birthday is on the 5th, so I said maybe it's a good birthday present, you know, <laughs> to write another one. And then I'm like, and the GPs, um, uh, I think in March or something, 11th of March, but still also a few months. I yeah. mean, can be possible to do both. I don't know. I should speak then with the team and everything to organize that, but... You could put together a pretty good program. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I mean... But imagine if I do very well in A1. I, do, I mean, I don't know. I well, res- that's what I'm thinking I, right I now. respect every, all these guys that are so fast. Like, I was riding with them in the Supergirl track, and you can feel, you know, they've done so many laps, and they're, so I respect them. I'm not trying to say here I will beat everyone, but I don't know. I also trust myself, and I don't know my starts, and uh, I mean, there are, like you said before, so many months ahead still. Yeah. So not too many, but not too less too to make some improvements. So, it. just imagine uh, what you do then: you stay or you come back and race GPs. Like it's, it would be a bit crazy scenario. But um, no, I, I first need to do t- these two weeks of uh, riding and see my progression, and then, and then, uh, yeah, I don't know. I need to figure it out. I think you stay. <laughs> I, th- I think you just stay. I think you keep yeah. keep doing some supercross, and then I think you do. You know, you can do great outdoor training here. You know, like there's a lot of... No, a, but if I raise GPs, I, I, I should go back to Europe and uh, put my time in uh, Margo tracks in Europe. Yeah. Uh, ride Lomo and all these tracks to get prepared for the season. And basically my bike for next year should be pretty similar from what I have right now. So yeah. I don't have, I guess, so much testing ahead. I also did a bit in Nation, like I said before. So uh, I don't know. It comes to my mind to... A1, but I'm also, you know, committed to race MXGP next year, so... But that's the beauty about the KTM group, is that you can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> like, if you're out there, if you whole shot A1 and you put up a good showing, then that 
championship i think that there's a pretty solid chance that you would just get to keep doing your thing you know like i mean i be hard not to run a number one plate though in in the mxgp but man speak so cool like a bucket list thing you know like you said you grew up only watching American and I'm, Supercross. I'm just 22 you know um but i don't know it's like i'm feeling like i'm in a good moment right now like everything is flowing good like i'm riding on the track and i feel good i'm not scared about obviously the whoops i mean i need to enter into the whoops slowly step by step and i'm for sure by far fast but but i'm already i have a good base Overall, I can turn fast in the Supercross track. I do all the rhythms. I do the whoops. Not maybe like, for sure, not like Malcolm and all these guys, but at my speed, but I, it's, I only did them for one day. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I would love to race A1. That's one of the, of my dreams too. Um, also, one of my dreams was to be MXGP world champion, and I did it, so... Mm. I don't know. We only live once and... No. I'm, hey, I hear you. I'm hearing <laughs> you. So you, you've you never been the guy that cares as much about records? Like, I feel like... No, no, no. I just love riding. Yeah. I, do, I love riding and if I'm out on track, I try to win. That's it. If I can win, I'm more than happy. If I don't win, then I will try hard for to win the next time. That's myself. And always, always um, enjoy my riding. Yeah, because I think, I think that um, I think that you get guys like Jeff and Tony that they want to win the records, they want to chase the records, they want I the don't. titles. It doesn't give me happiness. Yeah. For me, riding these days, I'm yeah. like a kid, you know. Like, yeah. Well, I am still a kid, but pff, it's I, cool to it's be just riding. That. No, you're just yeah. riding my bike, and it's also nice because it's challenging because it's something new. Yeah. If I go back to Europe, uh, I mean, I still have, I still can improve a lot, but it's again going into the sand, into the roll-offs, into, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Into the rain. Wearing a jumper. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right here, you're eating Chipotle, the sun's <laughs> out, it's like, it's almost, it's almost it's winter. Nice. Yeah, it's nice, it's yeah. nice. And also, they have... Um, like the KDM group has such a good facility over here in California with the it's test crazy. tracks and everything. I'm like, what's this? Also the workshops and stuff. They good people around and I, I like the vibe here. It's nice. Yeah. Everybody's quite relaxed too. And I, I don't, I mean, in Europe, you also have a good vibe, but here it's like everything together. And I think like to start, it's a good, like a good base, yeah. a very good base. So you, you haven't, you haven't spent much time around this bit here yet like you went to ethica today to the yeah, headquarters that, um, but that's it so i went I, we came on uh, so after nations i flew to spain i did some tv shows there um and then i flew, what tv shows did you do? i went to a very like um la resistencia it's one of the biggest tv shows for I mean, one guy is like uh, interviewer oh sick. And, and then um it's but it's not really an interview. You just go there and you just talk with the guy and I don't know, it, it's quite a big show. In Spain, it's very, very famous and it's nice because it, it came, you know, it, it comes to people that doesn't even There's know about motocross. motocross. Like, yeah. They are like, after the show, some singers start following me and sending me messages like to come to the concert and I'm like, what is this? I didn't even know you knew about motocross. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. it's like a totally different world and, 
and some guys you wouldn't expect to um, to ride you, you know, just because they see the show. Like yeah. I said, it's very famous show and it brings a lot of. Um, Do you know um, Miguel Huron? Is it um, Miguel Miguel Huron, uh, the movie star dude, like the French? Ah, uh, is it Miguel Herrán? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's Spanish, not French. It, uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Th- Miguel Herrán, he's from he's, La Casa de Papel. Yeah, no? Spanish. Yeah, from the house of uh, how you call it? No. Oh, I don't know. From the, Netflix, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's a mad motor. Mo- I know. I met him. Fan. I met him in 2019. Yeah. In a MotoGP Jerez. Yeah. It okay. was. I I went there because I had one weekend off, and uh, Red Bull wanted me to go there, and I was like, yeah, let's go experience and. And I met him in the in one of the Red Bull places uh, from the paddock, and and he came to me. Hey, let's make a picture. I'm a big fan. I'm like. Are you the guy I was watching yeah, last week yeah, on the yeah, Netflix yeah. when I was sleeping like the the the, the series? Yeah, he's like what? It's yeah, he's crazy. a like, he's a huge moto fan. But I was trying also, to get him on the podcast when also, I was in Barcelona. Uh, another guys from um, uh, uh, another guys that you wouldn't expect to. They like motocross. Like like the years go by. And I see more, more people more, like yeah. knowing the sport. It's not about like maybe they don't practice, maybe they don't follow, they don't know who's first in the world championship or whatever, but they know that there is a bike that makes jumps mm-hmm. around a track, you know. Yeah. So they know motocross. Yeah. And some other singers in Spain they they use motocross bikes for the video clips, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's like well, it's nice, it's nice. So it's nice to go in uh, these kind of shows because it you. You, that's you how we build the the global yeah. audience for the yeah. for the sport because I think that man like we'd be me and Ricardo talked about it on the podcast like ride to survive you know like imagine if Netflix this crazy. Yeah. did a cool series on Supercross like yeah. imagine in the stadium the lights the thousands of people Jet Deegan Tomac like the Basha the stories. Jorge Prado lines up and whole shots A1. Like it's just, you know, we, we have such a yeah. crazy cool sport. And I think it's so it's so on the come up too in these last maybe five, six years. I think it's really, you know, and guys like you, are, I think a huge part of that. I, I, I mean, in Spain, I just try to do the best I can. Um, obviously, it's hard for us because we train so much and we have such a difficult agenda yeah. that we are so focused on training and being ready for every single pretty much day of riding just even on training so even when we have a day off um, I don't do this kind of stuff when I'm in the season I'm mm-hmm. focusing on uh, recovery doing, recovering yeah. and doing whatever I need to do off the bike you know so uh, right now obviously we are we are here just chilling a little bit and I still did my workout this morning, so it's not that I'm just um, having some holidays because I do this like a real test. Like mm. I keep training and I'm doing laps on track. You know, I'm all day riding. It's yeah. not that I'm just doing two laps and I pop out. So, so, um, so yeah, it's um, yeah. I just try to do the best uh, to make motocross a bit more popular in Spain. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah, and I, I think guys like you are just doing such a good job like just young good looking fun guy and i think it has some potential i think it's a nice sport and uh it has some potential for yeah, sure yeah i think uh if you are thinking about the u.s supercross stuff you guys should look around here like this is a cool area to be based and you know like you can that maybe the driving's like a, yeah, a little bit far you but know in in that way i'm also quite um 
more Belgian style. Like I prefer to don't be like uh, I prefer to be close to my track, so yeah. to my work, let's yeah, say, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and uh, do what I need to do to be fit or I need to be ready to race. So I don't want to do one hour and a half driving or one hour driving to go. So when I'm in Belgium, we do that when we go to different tracks, but we have a good base in Lommel and we also can go, you know, to Lommel, which is five minutes away and other tracks are not max than one hour. But anyway, if I need to do one hour every day, it's like, yeah. I prefer to be closer to the track. Like I'm now, like I'm 15 minutes away. Yeah. Easy. 15 minutes, I'm on the track. 15 minutes, I'm back home. Yeah. Yeah. And because and then I can do whatever I want, you know, if I need to do some cycling or gym, I'm already ready for to go. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah, I'd be stoked to see you over here more full full time. Well, full time. Like, do you think? Do you have a, so your contract? I'm just trying to. I'm planning your Josh career <laughs> right now in my head. By the way, <laughs> so you got you, you love that. Oh, I, I would love. You to love see, that. I would love to see it. I would love to see it. It just would be so cool to see the best. Like, when was the last time we saw the best 450 rider from Europe? come to race supercross i don't know maybe bale michelle bale Mate, dude that was in the 80s yeah I, I think about that right i don't 40 years ago because 450 rider so so, MX, so yeah. mxgp yeah. champion yeah yeah no, no one no make history <laughs> I love it. That's what we're here for. But you know, that's the reality. Like, if you came over and did a full season of of Supergrass, like that's that's huge for the sport. I don't know. Yeah, maybe Jean Michel Bale was the the last guy to do that. You know, I mean, there's I a lot. Know, like yeah. Vial came over, two fifty. Yeah, Porcel came yeah. over. Ken came over. Two fifty. All of them. Yeah, but no one. Four fifty. It's a big deal because you get into uh, you know, to. F- yeah, to the 450s. It's uh, the the main class and everybody that gets into that one goes through the 250s and, you know, all the experience you get also racing supercars with the 250 and all that. And, you know, it's quite important too, you know, but if I come to US for sure, I will ride 450 straight away. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, that, I think that's something that is challenging for people. Like I've watched a lot of really good Australian riders come to America and they were just killing it on 450s. Like, they were the man. They'd won three 450 championships in a row or whatever, and then they come to America, and then you go back to a lights bike. And it's just like, that's not the move. Like, at no point should you be going, yeah, it's like you learning and you're... But you're almost throwing, like, a whole new challenge at yourself. Like, imagine if you were to go back to race the MX2 class right now. I, I can't think about it. Yeah. So, it would be very special for you to to do that. So, you got a year locked in for MXGP, so 2024 MXGP contracts done and dusted. But then, so 25 could be the first full crack at it. Can I go to toilet and I tell you this? Yes. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, <laughs> just go right and then right. And it's the first, it's like literally just behind us here. All right. And then I'll let you go. Yeah, no stress, no stress. Have you enjoyed it so far? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, because, you know, you like, you know, it's cool to talk when uh, you like uh, motocross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To someone that loves Marcos as much as you, and you just talk about Marcos, and you're like, you can talk Marcos for hours. Come on, yeah, <laughs> if yeah. you start talking about Marcos, it's like we end up tomorrow. Like <laughs> at one point, you gotta stop, <laughs> yeah, otherwise yeah. you keep going. You know? Yeah, yeah that's why I'm like, and, right, uh, last question, and with, then you can with go. With so many, with so many guys, you can't really talk because 
they like it, but at a certain point they're like, that's it. And I can see in your eyes and everything, like you love this sport and it's cool. Because I also love it. So it's for me, it's easy to talk about this. Well, it's just funny because it's like, it's kind of all I ever did or wanted to do, you know, but like it was just the way that life was set up. Like I wasn't, <laughs> in, I wasn't in a position to race properly. You know, like I had to, um, like I got a bike when I was a, a kid, like young kid, and then I had a bad crash and then it got hurt and then my mum was like nah that's it but my whole life just obsessed yeah. like just be, from being that young kid and I had it and then they took it away uh, yeah. and then it like completely made my life obsessed with bikes I watched every video I watched every every DVD every magazine everything and then I think I got a job when I was like 14 and saved up and bought my own one when I could just buy my own bike I just bought my own bike and then that was it but it was too late to race and be a, yeah so you just you end up but I lo- I'm glad I would have never done it anyway like this but we all out. we all can be racers you know yeah oh, 100% um, so I mean we also need people like you that loves the sport still if you are not racing come yeah. on it's nice even after my career for sure I don't even think about that but I will always ride bikes because I I love it. You know, even if I don't need to race, I just for the weekend or whatever, I just I will keep riding. Yeah, it's a shit. (laughs) It's so cool. So yeah, so you got a 2024 contract for MXGP that I don't know. Maybe you win A1. Hey, (laughs) weird dudes that won A1. All right, like (laughs) it's not out of the like. You remember like David Millsaps won won it one year. Josh Grant won it one year. Barsha won two years in a row. Like it's just it's that race where anyone can can rock up and win so anyway let's say you have 24 contracted for gp yeah and then nothing fully contracted for 25 no i just want to have contract for next year that's it so okay so you win another world title and then be like peace i'm going to america yeah that's that's an option um i don't know i it's hard it's hard because um it's changing a lot of things coming to America, but at the same time, it's a nice challenge. Mm. Um, and it's it would be a dream to enter in, into a stadium with the lights racing by night. And if I don't do it now, then for sure in five years, I will not do it. Yeah. Then it's already, let's say, too late kind of to change my whole life just for a few seasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, but like I said, we only live once, so I got to do it. Like, it's like, it doesn't matter maybe this year or next year, in two years, three years, I, I got to do it. I, at one point, even if I don't see it 100%, I need to go. I need to do it because I need to feel the experience, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the Man, have you ever <clears throat> been to a Supercross here? Like you've watched them? Yeah, I actually went well, twenty fifteen. Oh, so it was there. So yeah. it was twenty sixteen. Okay. Anaheim won. Yeah. Um, James was still riding. Yep. Yep. And I was at that race too. Really? Actually, in yeah. uh, San Diego, won. Yeah. Okay. So I did those two. Was that the one Cooper won? Did Cooper Webb win that night on a two fifty? Oh, I I don't know. Ah, yeah. Yep, yeah. Because yep. Jesse was, was second. Yep. I was Jesse at that one too. Nelson was yep. was first, and yep. uh, Cooper came. Yeah. I, I remember training with Jesse was super fast. Oh, man. He's a cool dude, huh? He was so fast. Like, I've never seen someone so fast going through the whoops. Really? Like, back then, I was like, what is this? But then he was struggling a bit more while racing. Yeah. But uh, on practice tracks, like, crazy, crazy, crazy. 
yeah no nah, that was nice was nice well i really hope that i get to see you at a1 i'll be there and uh it would be pretty cool to uh to watch you roll out opening ceremonies rip a whole shot <laughs> like, oh let's go i mean the whole shot more or less it's possible you know what i mean <laughs> i have big possibilities about the rest mm, we'll see <laughs> yeah, hey i'm here for the story though you know <laughs> yeah yeah me too wow i would love to to make it happen so we see how well, it comes uh, well thanks for making this happen i'm very glad that we got to sit down and do it the if we did it earlier in the season you wouldn't have been champion yet and it would have been on different sides of the the world. So yeah. you're a champion now. We got to do it face to face. Now it's easier easier to talk, right? Yeah. Because if you we would have done this in the middle of the season, it's hard to be like. Yeah. It's hard to talk about championships and all that because so many things can go wrong. Yeah. But now everything went well and better even than maybe expected. So it was crazy. Yeah. Well, man, thank you very much. Thank and, you. And uh, I'm excited for the future for you, whether it's in Supercross here or in MXGPs. You're a uh, awesome ambassador for the sport. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, I'm pumped, bro. Thank you. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. Sick dog. It was perfect. We did it, man. Not Thanks. too bad. Not too bad.